Blog Talk Radio.
love to say. Trump shall become a trumpet, says the Lord. Trump shall become a trumpet. I will raise up the Trump to become a trumpet and Bill Gates to open up the gate of a financial realm for the church, says the Lord. I will not forget 9-11. I will not forget what took place that day. And I will not forget the gatekeeper that watched over New York who will once again stand and watch over this nation, says the Spirit of God. It shall come to pass that the man that I place in the highest office shall go in whispering my name. But God said when he enters into the office, he will be shouting out by the power of the Spirit, for I shall fill him with my Spirit when he goes into office. And there will be a praying man in the highest seat in your land a praying president, not a religious one, but I will fool the people, says the Lord. I will fool the people. Yes, I will. God says, the one that is chosen shall go in and they shall say, he has hot blood. For the Spirit of God says, yes, he may have hot blood, but he will bring the walls of protection on this country in a greater way and the economy of this country shall change rapidly, says the Lord of hosts. Listen to the word of the Lord. God says, I will put at your helm for two terms. A president that will pray, but he will not be a praying president when he starts. I will put him in office and then I will baptize him with the Holy Spirit and my power, says the Lord of hosts. Come on! Yeah, that's just incredible. It is incredible. So what have we got tonight? Oh, my word. What have we got? Um... We got that article that I wrote. Uh, you know, I never know. Sometimes I do. Uh, you never know how something's got. Because I wrote this uh, article on Chris Wallace slamming his conservative Fox colleagues for exposing fake news. This happened last week. And this article just went nuts. I was like, really? So I had to write it. I had to write it because I get so irritated at Chris Wallace. Day in and day out. I mean, well, not day in and day Well, maybe sometimes, according to who he's hosting, but, you know, sometimes he does that fill-in host, and he tries his, his willful best at Fox to be a conservative, but he just doesn't quite make the cut. So I'm going to run through some of that, and I'm, I'm going to let you hear something you would never otherwise hear under this administration from Chris Wallace which is him defending the president, okay? You'll never hear him defending Trump, but you will hear him defending Obama. You're going to love this. And uh, then we've got the, the – the, the Manafort was working with the Podesta brothers back – I mean, really? I mean, that's just incredible. And then, of course, uh, we've got lots and lots of dossier. <laughs> I was laughing last night. I was just sitting there just flipping out. Uh, and, and all of the things that we've been reporting on coming true. I've been, how long have I been saying this? Oh, it's coming true. All oh, that's coming true. Everything is coming true. Trump told you it was a hoax. He told you from day one. And now <clears throat> we got Mueller is starting to investigate the Podesta group. He's in, I mean, you know, I, I, maybe we were a little bit, uh, I don't know, uh, speedy in condemning uh, Mueller. We shall see. 
Okay, because, yeah, there is some problems there. Now, Hannity last night was, uh, he was still driving hard after Mueller, but right now when I see what he's doing, I don't know, it could be a false flag investigation. For all we know, maybe he's just making it look uh, real, the way Comey sort of halfway tried to do with Clinton when he had written the letter exonerating Clinton before she had, before he had even interviewed her and before he had really started the blasted investigation. We've got Hillary Clinton's Russian ghost stories. Bill Clinton met with Vlad Putin just before the Uranium One deal took place, before he took that half a million dollars for his speech in Moscow. Folks, Trump has never delivered a speech in Moscow. Then we've got the FEC complaint accusing Clinton campaign, the DNC also, of violating campaign finance. I tell you, they are in just a world of excrement. Let me just say, it has hit the fan. But it will be interesting to see exactly how this happens. Now, D.C. is rocked. The script has flipped. Uh, some of the stuff coming out of Drudge, a hoax uh, was turned around, says Trump. Top Hillary lawyer lied for a year about the dossier. Well, we knew that. Uh, pressure builds on Mueller to recuse himself. Mm -hmm. Just like I said, but... Maybe that was why. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm sitting here just observing and uh, sort of analyzing what is happening, and it, it very well could be that Mueller decided to add Podesta, uh, the Podesta group, which is a globalist Democrat group, if ever there were one. He added them into his investigation list because of their ties to Moscow. But it's practically, folks, they're practically Hillary Clinton's studio, the Podesta group is. Uh, and the Russian oligarch, the, the, you know, with, with John Podesta, sits on like four different Russian oligarch companies. And we were just screaming this a year ago at the top of our lungs, and no one would really pay attention where they are now, aren't they? And then we got the FBI, which is on the hot seat from all of this, because I tell you what, folks, you know, we keep talking about connections here. There are connections, connections, connections going all the way back. And you cannot forget that Mueller presided over 9-11. Never said a word. We know all about that. Most of us do. Lots of problems in there. The busted media is downplaying revelations. And, you know, there's, some of these reports were coming out of ABC, NBC, stuff they haven't been reporting at all before, okay? And, uh, by the way, good morning, America, uh, with a K, yeah, from uh, ABC. Uh, they they gave uh, the, this blasted thing, this huge, massive, this is the real news. It's not the fake news they've been parlaying. They gave it just a few seconds of air time. You know, they have to mention it. Uh, Canary Islands, a volcanic eruption may be imminent. Tsunami, has, there's a fear of a tsunami hitting the Pacific Northwest uh, and their massive fault up there. They're prepping for the big one. Uh, let's see. Elites are moving to sacrifice the Clintons. Yeah, I'm pretty, you know, we, the, the handwriting was on the wall with that uh, right after the election. Trump, folks, despite CIA's furious lobbying, he will be allowing the maximum release. 3,000 never-before-seen documents on Kennedy. The CIA is not liking that. That's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. The Republicans are crazy for embracing Nutty Roy Moore, he says, Nutty Neocon Jonah Goldberg. I cannot stand that, man. And, boy, hey, did you see it? Uh, George H.W. Bush is apologizing after an actress claims he sexually assaulted her from his wheelchair. Yeah, I don't know what that sexual assault was. You know what, folks, the, I'm 
the image that they portray of him is not, uh, you know, I mean, the New World Order guy. Um, Reagan couldn't stand him. Reagan hated him. Uh, 46% in California don't speak English, and about a third from uh, Texas, New Mexico, New Jersey, and New York do not speak English. Uh, we're living in a very weird land, folks. We need to, you know, that's that's just not good. Uh, that's the whole plan. Then we have the attack of the creepy billionaires. Did you see that Tom Steyer, you know, that creepy billionaire who is like, uh, I don't know, man, he's like... Uh, George Soros' uh, younger twin. He is a he is a creepy dude, man, and he's launching a campaign campaign to uh, impeach Trump. Like that's going to do any freaking good, okay? I mean, come on. But okay, uh, burn that ten million dollars. Have at it, because uh, you know, if anything, you're going to get impeached, star, not Trump. Um, oh yeah, and we've got uh, uh, Tucker uh, interviewed. Uh, Mark Cuban last night. Can you imagine President Cuban? We'll just take the N off President Cuba, uh, because that's about what he is. And you should hear his plan, folks, for the Social Security taxes. I mean, I don't know. You know these techies, these tech guys. Folks, you know, the the brilliance is uh, intelligence, uh, dumbassedness, you know, it it it. Uh, you can look at a graph of all of these various, you know, specialities that we all have, like music, science, mathematics, chemistry, building, engineering, architecting. You know, all of these things that uh, all of our, you know, drawing. I mean, you know, um, we have just a range of talents. Each and every one of us do. Okay. And it is a graph, and I'm talking a wide-ranging graph, because where you might be brilliant in one place, you can be a complete and total freaking moron in another. And we all know this. This is not uh, news, really, to anybody. Now, some leftists who might be listening probably haven't imagined this, because I don't know what they're taught in school these days. They're just taught that if you're white, you're, you know, you're, you're uh, inferior, because uh, you've ruined the world, or something like that. Uh, so they're taught to hate themselves. It's precisely what the New World Order needs you to think, by the way. Anyway, we got a little, we got some clips of, of that. And then we've got a White Lives Matter rally approaching a community. I believe it's in Tennessee, something like Shelbyville or something like that. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's coming. <laughs> and, you know, it's so predictable because... You saw the left embrace Black Lives Matter while they were insisting that no other races matter. And I have been through this how many times for you regular listeners about all of this white lives, black lives matter bullshit. Uh, But, uh, you know, I guess, you know, everybody, you know, the left is all about slogans. So in some cases, the right adopts the left's mannerisms in order to sort of curve the attack back in on the left. I don't know what this is, but uh, a lot of people are upset because of, uh, of of just the words white lives matter, and that should tell you everything. I mean, you know, all lives matter. I mean, come on, can you get off of this crap? I mean, seriously, aren't we all just sick of hearing whose life matter and whose doesn't or whose life is more superior to another life? It's all life, and it's all precious, and it's all fleeting. 
And sometimes it's great and sometimes it's miserable and sometimes it's a mixture, as we all know. Uh, so all lives matter, all sentient beings, all life on earth matters, okay? So, you know, come on. I mean, really. So anyway, we're going to touch on that. And then we've got Kent State mulling weather uh, telling someone uh, you need Jesus' hate speech. You have to, that, that, folks, this is one, I've said it a million times. This is the Antichrist movement. Forgive my uh, sarcasm and my, uh, what's the word, my cynicalism, because I've had a long, tough day. I, did, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to get the show up going tonight, really. It was bad. But I managed because I am a, I guess at this point I'm somewhat of a professional. I've been doing this for a while. Uh, why millennials are ditching religion for witchcraft and astrology. Hmm. Out of the broom closet, DC witches in their own words. I guess you could you could sort of say this is our Halloween special. And then we've got Project Bluebeam. Many of you have heard about it. Many of you probably don't know what the hell that means. Well, this goes back to a Project Bluebeam. It is a science Bluebeam. Blue Say that fast five times in a row. A scientific plan to usher in a one-world religion in the new world order. There is actually a plan, folks. Uh, and on the on the uh, darker side of the show. We've got Mysterious Booms Shake New Jersey, a Black Death Plague warning in nine countries, folks. It's back. And then, uh, you know, people are getting afraid. Could this be it? Could this be the one? Hmm. It's interesting. Is the pale horse riding? That's always the question, isn't it? Remember William Cooper's, be, um, what is it, Behold the Pale Horse? We did that show here. You should listen to it. It's one of the favorites. I keep seeing, you know, these spikes and and listeners to certain shows, and that's one of them. So anyway, we uh, obviously have a lot to get through, and it's already 18 minutes past the hour. How did that happen? So I tell you what, let's uh, go ahead and um, let's see. Let's kick it off like so. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. There's a need for a new world order, but it has different characteristics in different parts of, of the world. If you've got a business, that you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. Finland, of all countries, is kicking off the new year by launching a new social experiment. Some 2,000 unemployed citizens chosen at random will get a guaranteed monthly income whether they work or not. A lot of economists actually think this could be a good idea, saying it will cut down on government red tape and welfare fraud while helping to combat poverty. Secretary Clinton, in a speech you gave to a Brazilian bank for which you were paid $225,000, we've learned from the WikiLeaks that you said this, and I want to quote, my dream is a hemispheric common market with open trade and open borders. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. And the hope that each of us has to build a new world order. The pieces are in flux. Soon they will settle again. Before they do, let us reorder this world around us. We've got to give them a stake in creating the kind of uh, a world order that I think all of us would like to see. 
leaders come together and establish a framework for global governance. These measures are enacted. We continue to move forward with the G20 process. We will have the kind of global governance that is necessary to ensure the stability and transparency of markets. I think a new world order is emerging, and with it the foundations of a new and progressive era of international cooperation. The affirmative task we have now is to actually um, create uh, uh, a new world order. And you know what? I'll tell you what. I do have this one uh, song that is so appropriate. It's a commercial we used to run, okay? And you, you, I gotta, I gotta run it right now. I was gonna wait until commercial time, but <laughs> let's see how appropriate is this? Since now everybody's learning what most of us uh, already knew about the Manchur, the true Manchurian candidates. Yes, I did write that article. Well, well, well over. When was it, man? I mean, I was, or mid to early 2016. The real Manchurian candidates. You can find that. NCR and the Barry's Secrets, but uh, <laughs> you know this. This you know this is just so appropriate. So let's just go ahead and run it, man. I mean, God. <laughs> In a world where one man cannot lose. The fate of the world rests in one top-secret mission. This is my last election, please. Yes, and after my election, I have more flexibility. And I transmit this information to Vladimir and Alexander. Your mission is simple, Mr. Obama. Win one last election to gain unchecked flexibility, weaken our defenses, and fundamentally transform the world. Dimitri will transmit the information. Starring Barack Obama as President Flexible, Dmitry Medvedev as Dr. Transmitkov, and Vladimir Putin as himself. After my election, I have more flexibility. After my election, I have more flexibility. Yeah. After the election, he shall have more flexibility. Don't we remember that? And, uh, yeah, it, all of this stuff going on, and I'm looking at the Hill, and it's saying that Trump officials face a grilling uh, from lawmakers over Russian cyber firm. Folks, that wasn't from the Rus- the Trump administration. That was from the Obama administration, for heaven's sake. And um, let's see, Trump railing over the fake news dossier after these Clinton revelations. Now, Trump on Wednesday used the news that uh, – Hillary Clinton, uh, uh, her presidential campaign, and the DNC um, funded a dossier of allegations that we all know about, about as high as Russia as a means of attacking it, blah, blah, blah. Trump said the made-up dossier is one of just several recent examples of how his uh, critics concocted the Russian hoax. Correct? Oh, yeah. So... Uh, I, I tell you what, I'm going to let you hear what he had to say. Yeah, here we go. Let's check this out. Okay, here we go. What's your reaction to Democrats going to the dossier? Well, I think it's very sad what they've done with this fake dossier. It was made up, and I understand they paid a tremendous amount of money, and Hillary Clinton always denied it. The Democrats always denied it. And now only because it's going to come out in a court case, they said, yes, they did it, they admitted it. And they were embarrassed by it. But I think it's a disgrace. 
it's just really a very, it's a very sad, it's a very sad commentary on politics in this country. Absolutely, it is. And, uh, you know, the, now, you see, because a lot of people, I heard some pundits today, go, why did they release us now, you know? Uh, what were they waiting on? Uh, they, they're sacrificing the Clintons to the, you know, whatever, to the, uh, to the gods of the Democrats. There were quite a few of those. Uh, the one, of, the main one resides uh, uh, down in Hades, folks. But uh, the main thing here um, is it was a court case that's getting ready, to, and they didn't want it to break. You know, a lot of times you got to get ahead of the news curve. If you report it yourself, uh, it doesn't seem to sound so bad as if it were. Nah, there, there's no way around this. This thing is just so incredible uh, that... <laughs> They funded a foreign spies opposition research. Folks, the damn Trump dossier came from the Russians. Oh, thank you, says Trump. You really helped me out there, I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that was kind of a big help to Hillary, wasn't it? Wasn't it? It wasn't a big help to Trump. So, again, the Trump dossier, I mean, you know, and all of this stuff that that Clinton was doing with the Russians, I mean, in addition to her stupid botching up of the 33,000 deleted emails, probably because of all of the fundraising activities she was doing as a State Department's uh, leader, um, God, I mean, then you got the Christopher Steele compiled the dossier, you know all this, uh, the lewd allegations about the prostitutes peeing on the beds in this uh, Russian uh, very nice hotel that supposedly Trump had hired, when he's a clean freak, uh, because Barack Obama and Michelle uh, or Michael slept in the same bed, okay? So that would be reason to get a bunch of prostitutes to pee in it. I mean, you know, that it is so nasty and just so ludicrous, uh, so tawdry, that only a Russian could dream that up, quite frankly. Um, I mean, just lewd, I mean, just... You know, come on. Uh, so and now maybe some of these elites, and that's the thing, these the satanic elites, you know, the ones who prey on pedophilia and who drink, you know, babies' blood to stay young and have their satanic rights. And, yes, yes, that does indeed happen. There's, you know, I mean, Hillary Clinton is a witch. I mean, she channeled uh, various... Spirits, and you go read that. It was written by what's his name, the guy who broke the Watergate story. Nobody seemed to be paying attention. Um, and uh, Nichols, uh, who, who frequently appears on uh, his last name is, is it Bill Nichols, but he frequently appears on uh, Alex Jones's show. Uh, you know, he he basically said, yeah, he, she went to a Wiccan church and you know tried to keep it all secret and. Uh, she, uh, Hillary is a new ager and blah, you know, on and on, okay? Yeah, it's all there. And my gosh, Clinton Cash, the book written by Paul Schweitzer, and then, you know, they, they, they keep calling it a right wing story when in fact the New York Times was the one that initially broke the uranium one story, more or less in conjunction with Paul Schweitzer's reporting on Clinton Cash and the Clinton Foundation, the $145 million that they took through the oligarchs of a uranium, the, the Uranium One company. Um, you know, I, I wrote the article. I'll, I'll kind of whiz right through it here in a minute. But um, the FBI even used this dossier. Uh, it was the thing 
now that we know that it's fraudulent, and remember, it was given to McCain, who gave it to the uh, the ex CIA dude who was running for president, who then gave it to officials. Okay, this is how I'm understanding the chain, and from what I remember, it's interesting. You know, McCain's McCain's name never comes up, does it? But he did it. He was right there. Oh, he's all over it. So, uh, and then you know, Comey briefed Trump on the existence of the dossier, sort of as a model for why he needed to listen to intelligence briefing, which is at this point now, because they said, oh, you know, I'm smart enough not to have to listen to a briefing. Well, this is why he was running for president. So anyway, I mean, you don't need an intelligence briefing necessarily every single day if you're running for president, do you? And plus, it was probably misinformation anyway, for heaven's sake. Anyway, congressional investigators have accused the firm's president, Glenn Simpson, a former Wall Street Journal reporter. By the way, uh, the Wall Street Journal makes a great product, but they can't deliver it, okay? That's the problem. They can't get it to you half the time. What good is a damn product if you can't get it to the customer, you know? So, pff, I'll tell you. Uh, I, I meant to call them to say, and, you know, and, and if they do deliver it, it's generally in a fire ant hill, or, you know, you have to wade through ditch water that's three feet deep to retrieve it. I mean, you know, anyway. Uh, I, I do get the digital edition, which I read on my iPad, but who wants to read on a freaking iPad? i got to go to work every day and look at a blasted monitor for like 10 hours, and then I write and then do the CR stuff after that. I really want to read my morning paper as a paper. That's what they call it, a paper, and that's what I ordered, a paper, and it's more expensive when you order it that way. Anyway, okay, enough bitching. So, the screen's blinking again. Uh, Trump on Wednesday says he thinks he knows which Republican may have been behind it. Yeah. I would say Mr. McCain may be a prime candidate. So, uh, but who knows? It could be somebody else in the deep state. Trump on Wednesday also weighed on the annual reports of the House Intelligence Committee. Folks, it's exploded. There, everybody's not that a congressional investigation is that effective, you know, but hey. Uh, yeah, this is a precursor. This is how it begins. And meanwhile, Sessions is sitting up there with his thumb up his rump. I don't know what the hell that guy's doing, but maybe he'll, you know, swing and slowly into action, right? I don't know. Anyway, uh, the uh, I tell you, um, that's enough of that. I mean, we got so much more here to get through, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just so funny. Um, <laughs> Uh, I was just reading a little bit of what uh, the Hill. I always like to pop over to the Hill and see what kind of useless information they're running. Yeah, Clinton. Uh, by the way, <laughs> listen. To this. this is the woman is so full of bullshit. She says the Republican Party is imploding. No, Mrs. Clinton, that is not what's happening. Your party has already imploded, and you are too, okay? You are imploded. You are done. She is over with, okay? The only thing she's going to be running in 2020 is a treadmill in a freaking prison. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, oh, I mean, just, oh, my goodness. So, uh, let's get back to the show part now. Um, start trying to wind our way through all of this uh, detritus. By the way, uh, in the CR show, which you can come to Conservative Focus, under the news section or under the CR radio section, and you can see, I think it's called an Urumbus, Ur- 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 which is the uh, ancient uh, mythological uh, 
the serpent eating its tail, you know, it was a sign of the uh, of the millennium. A serpent eating its tail, it's sort of a religious talent. That's just the the visual imagery that flashed into my brain when I'm thinking of the New World Order devouring itself, the way that it appears to be doing right now. I think one of their uh, efforts may have been this Las Vegas deal. And have you noticed how we seem to be leaving Las Vegas behind? Oh, yeah, we're leaving it. Where is it at? What happened? I'll try to focus on some news. I couldn't hardly find anything on it. Not much. Not tonight. You have to dig around for it. They're trying to cover that up. They look like a bunch of dogs just digging frantically, trying to throw dirt over like a blasted train. It's not going to go away, guys. Sorry. It's not going away. Uh, folks like me are going to be uh, continually rehashing that. Okay. So anyway, first, um, before I get to the uh, to the other stuff, I did want to hit on because you know this thing apparently this article that I wrote on Chris Wallace so much struck a chord that I've got to kind of go through it. And, and it, you know the thing of it is when I it used to I, I watched Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace and, and a lot of people did, uh, but while I was doing this article. Uh, I happened to look at his ratings, and did you know he's almost dead last behind the other Sunday news shows? He's running like one third, like 1.25 million or something like that, of what these other shows are running. Um, I mean, and you know, uh, he's getting beat by pretty much every other news show uh, from the 4 to 11 p.m. slot, which his appears it, it is in prime time. Uh, at, well, it's at 10 p.m. at night, and I think it's also at noon. But they didn't have the numbers for the uh, for him for his 12 o'clock showing, so I'm still not sure. But I, don't, I doubt it is very good because when you go look at his his uh, of all the the Sunday shows, uh, you know the news shows that meet the press, face the nation this week, all that. Uh, he's he's running, you know, uh, a third of what Meet the Press runs. He's running a third of what Face the Nation runs. He's running a third of what this week on ABC runs. So he's just not doing so well, folks. And this is because he's misplaced. He should be on CNN or maybe MSNBC. But the top guy, Meet the, meet the Press is a joke, okay? It's run by a left-wing shill, and you're not going to get any sort of square information from them. Not anymore. Okay, it's done. That show is done. People still watch it, I think, because that's just what they've always watched to get, you know, some real scoops, some real information from the guys, from the players, the political players, etc. Not anymore. It's just a, you know, it's sort of a front for the Democrat Party is the best way to describe it. Pretty much like the media. But anyway, you've got NBC, uh, which is Meet the Press, CBS, Face the Nation, ABC this week, and then you have Fox. And I mean, he's just—he's not anywhere near what Hannity runs uh, on, on a nightly basis. It's just—it's really sad. So why is he so angry, Chris Wallace, against the Trump administration? Well, I mean, this—this this is the thing. We—we we all have grown so weary of this globalist-inclined, corporate-on-Trump-bashing media, and this is a worldwide media. Uh, and they 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 never have anything good to say about Trump. And, and the, the folks, the economy is on fire right now. And this uh, President Trump is doing exactly all the things that he said he would do. And then you've got these rhinos, these blasted globalist Republicans. Uh, you know the the ones that have lost their tails, the ones that are, who are not going to be reelected, who are on their way out. Uh, you've got them crying and whining like little babies. 
And it just goes to show you whose side they're really on. These guys vote with the Democrats just about as much as they do the Republicans. And when they're voting with the Republicans, it's only because they've all grown into lockstep for some globalist scheme that they're trying to push, like, for instance, the Iran nuke deal. It was a globalist scheme, if ever there were one. So, uh, yeah, and, and I've got some stuff on that later, but... You know, the thing about Wallace is, and you can watch him, and he's so smarmy and smug, you know, and and he knows his news, except the problem is he can't, uh, he really can't tell the difference between fake news and real news. He can't tell the difference between fake, you know, just basically propaganda and what is actually happening, and I don't think many of them actually can at this point. I mean, we can tell very easily here, Um, but, uh, you know, uh, over over most of the media, most of it's bullshit and the stuff that they report. It's stuff that who gives a damn? I mean, I'm just sorry for my language. I'm kind of tired, and it, this this week has just been ugh. So uh, anyway, so it's not that most of us have an issue with honest criticism of the president. I don't. If you got something to say, you have more than your right to say it. If you don't, if you want to criticize him, that's fine. I will probably defend him, probably because I will have plenty of ground to stand on when I do. And I'm referring to what there's just the 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 gross corruption and injustice has been taking place in the U.S. government really for the past generation, perhaps barring Reagan, the you know the Reagan years. But you go beyond that, and it's just been one blur of uh, corruption and bad decisions and you know, neocon world freaking invading uh, uh, posturing so uh, or actual actions okay like you know Bush wasn't going to be a nation builder not going to be a nation builder and that's exactly what he became I mean he he, he attacked Iraq when there was no reason to attack him and I've, I've run this Wesley Clark um, you know video or, or audio blurb for almost, you know, probably every third show. But it, it pays to listen to it because what it does tell you is there is something far, 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 far more at work within all of this than most of us have any idea about. And I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm just a, you know, because they will tell you all oh, this is all, I mean, there there was one, like, I think it was Jonah Goldberg, He's attacking the Birchers. Um, uh, I mean, some, for some reason, he was attacking the Birchers. They're really, the sort of uh, which I love the Birchers. I think they're great, and I think they're dead on because it's, it's, it's sort of a religious conservative thing about the New World Order and the end times and all of that. And uh, you know, most of these uh, moderates and centrists. Uh, and they they look askance at anything related to the John Bircher Society, which would be like the New American, which most of their stuff I you know I'm dead on with. Um, maybe a little bit of difference there, but very little between you know me and them. But just listen here to what Wesley Clark said when 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 I'm talking about the neocons and what they actually pulled and what their true agenda was. I mean. You can start running through it, and it just floors you like the SPP, which was an impetus to turn America and Canada and Mexico into one country, one nation, one kingdom, as in the Ten Kingdoms. And and we're you know supposed to be number one kingdom, right? The number the the eurozone is number two. 
So things haven't gone so well for the New World Order uh, as it regards as it regards uh, America and their plans for you know uh, packaging us together as the first kingdom of the New World Order, right? Of the uh, of the global regime. So, but anyway, this is what Clark said. Now you go back to 9/11 and you go back to what happened. 9-11 attacks, you go back to the response, you go back to some of the things that Bush said prior to that, and I voted for him twice, okay, voted for the man twice, I certainly wouldn't do it again, uh, but he would never make it now as a candidate, because Americans have grown extremely wily about their politics, this is why you see all of these Republicans, uh, especially in the Senate, Corker, uh, Heller, uh, Blake, um, even McCain, people, they know who they are. And then, then uh, they're not running. They're, they're not going to run for re-election because they know they have no chance. We have, They have been found out. And the other Republicans are now watching with really like deer in the headlight, solemn glances at what is actually happening Bannon has declared war on them, and we have too. I mean, this is part of the plan is to get rid of the rhinos, get them out of there, because they're not true Republicans. I don't know what the hell they are. They're globalist, uh, sort of globalist center-right. I don't know, neocons. Yeah, maybe that's the word. Globalist Republican neocons. They're not conservative. A neocon, they sort of get their energy from conservatism, but they're not conservative. Okay? Not even close. So... Uh, and, and a different sort of freaky mindset altogether. But this is what uh, General Wesley Clark, this is what he is telling you. And this is at the center of so many world problems right now, the aftermath of all of this uh, as far as Iraq and you know the Arab Spring and some of these other things that have happened within the Islamic world, right? Uh, so listen to what he has to say here. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me in. He said, sir, you gotta come in. you got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. He said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. The truth is about the. Uh, we don't we don't need to hear his truth because it's inaccurate. But he described exactly 
the whole impetus that you were seeing, ladies and gentlemen, or you did see throughout the Bush and the Obama regimes. It's interesting how Afghanistan is not in that mix, isn't it? But uh, Syria, Iraq, and Libya are the ones still in play with Iran, Somalia, Lebanon, and uh, Jordan uh, coming up. That's the ones that the New World Order, uh, all of them, essentially uh, Islamic uh, sort of uh, nations, uh, those are the ones they were going to take out, which what happens when you take those nations out, you produce massive amounts of refugee, and you also produce a bunch of pissed-off Islamics, okay? And what happens with pissed-off Islamics? Well, they start attacking. And what are we doing? Well, the New World Order, the, the global, the Euro-globalists are letting them into their borders where they are creating havoc and creating a need for super security states, all right? And, uh, yeah, if you, if you want to make a super, super security stakes, you have to make the people feel very vulnerable to attack. This way they will want more security and they will sacrifice their liberties to get it. Uh, it, it those who don't know any better, those who do not understand history. So uh, this is precisely – you wonder – where this impetus is coming from, you look at the seven Mideast nations described by General Wesley Clark. You look at the, you know, how many years later, uh, 17, 18 years later, you look at the fruits of all of that, and you see a, a world that's in uh, wars and rumors of wars constant, okay? So there is a means to an end, and there is somebody, there is a diabolical intelligence at the heart of that knowing how this would go and then having the front men to actually herd those refugees up into Europe and over to the US to create, basically to take down Christendom okay uh, you know that's the fertile belt that's the money belt uh, once you get into that that's that that is the, uh, the 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 hard locker of liberty and and western democracy folks and once you get into that and start mucking up with it well, then they start, and, that, and that's the thing. I'm seeing headlines now where they're talking about democracy being sort of a worn-out idea. Yeah, and uh, you're going, well, you know, the alternative is not good. The alternative to democracy is tyranny, and that's just it. There, there are no options there. Whenever you have socialism, you are going to have some form of tyranny, depending on where the socialism trolley begins and ends. You know, right now we're even in the U.S. or back during Obama's times, certainly uh, our liberty index uh, was plummeting. Okay, and uh, hopefully we're on the way back up as a result of Trump taking power and uh, sort of. And it's funny they call him Hitler. He is a capitalist. Okay, he is a federalist. That doesn't mean he loves federalism or the federal government. That means he believes in states' rights. He believes in more power to the states and therefore the people. That is a, a classic uh, liberty-loving capitalist. And capitalism is the only way to fund your way out of poverty. Uh, go look at China. They have used just the, the, the best facets of, of capitalism. Uh, uh, well, I should rephrase that. The most effective facets of capitalism in order to bring that country up out of poverty. However, 
it's a command and control, more, sort of more of a fascist capitalism where you got to believe like the leadership believes. By the way, I was reading in the Wall Street Journal today on my iPad because uh, they didn't deliver my paper again. Uh, I, I read there that um, you know this that Li Xiaoping is solidifying power uh, all the way through. He's, he's sort of just sort of boxing out any other competitors. Okay, so he, he's moving, uh, and everybody loves the man. Okay, he's a, you know he's a chai com from. Uh, he, he seems to be you know better than some of these guys, but. As Lee Daniel says, he is an Orientalist, and you have to watch those types. Uh, they they don't think like we do, okay? And they don't. So anyway, back to I bet you thought I forgot about it, but back to the original story. It's, it's you know the the things that Chris Wallace parlays, okay, to his meager audience and amongst his Washington Post cabinet members with Karl Rove. The, look, the only one that they normally have on there that actually represents our side, the Trump side, to a great degree, is Kimberly Strassel. She's a brilliant journalist and opinionist, and, um, you know, she, unlike Peggy Noonan, she really knows what's going on. Peggy Noonan, I don't think she could find her way out of a paper bag, okay, even if it was wet. Um, she's a really good writer. Uh, as far as having an original opinion or thought, not so much. So, uh, you know, even now today, even the political junkies have stopped watching a lot of these signature Sunday news shows because they're pap. They're just twisted. They're half true. We 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 know the drill. Okay, we know they're only giving one side of the story. All right. And uh, and this this goes as I said from Meet the Press to Fox News Sunday, which is Wallace's show, and it all points in between. It's like watching tabloid TV. Okay, and this this is they don't like folks the conservative movement. They don't like Trump. They don't like patriotism. As you know, they they, they don't believe in those facets of American life, those traditionalisms that we were all brought up with, um, especially those who were probably eh, thirty three and older, maybe get down beyond that and you have a bunch of indoctrinated youth okay and uh they'll come around i believe uh and i believe many of them especially those in their late teens and and just coming into uh you know the marketplace the the real world uh i think some of them really get it okay more so than than long before uh, but beyond that, I mean, the only thing that's really saving us is traditional American precepts uh, that that were bred into the to the the offsprings of uh, or the offspring of our grandparents who fought the Second World War. Okay, and that's the only thing at this point that has saved America and that has uh, tried to turn this communist sort of socialist narrative around. By the way. Bernie Sanders says he's going to run in 2020 as an independent. That should be interesting. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work out. It really is not going to work out very well at all. If he doesn't run for the Democrats, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, uh, he'll, he'll probably get a slice of the vote. But if he runs against the Democrat Party as an independent, the Trump's it's you folks it's over <laughs> it's it's and really you know if if things keep going like they're going it's over anyway i mean i'll just tell you uh and you know that i mean look the dirty little secret is that if trump won the electorate and he could maintain that base 
the DM, the the DMs are effectively screwed. Okay, all the way through, let's say twenty twenty what four. But then we'll see. Okay, but then we'll see what happens. Because uh, normally the the leadership will change hands to the other party once that president's two terms is up. But we don't know what the world ha- is going to hit us with next. And this Black Plague, which we're going to get into later, could be one of those things. So, anyway, uh, and, and in addition to some of the other stuff, there's a, you know, people, a lot of people believe that dark times are coming. Um, and um, anyway, Trey Smith believes that it's going to be at the end of the Trump term. He says, during these years that we're going to prosper, and I listen to Trey Smith. You go YouTube him uh, and uh, be amazed. But uh, Trey says that, uh, and he's, he very well could be right. And I believe even Kim Clement, the guy whose prophecy of Trump back in 07 that I played for you, I believe he was more or less under that same sort of um, prophetic understanding that uh, we're going to have seven years of plenty, but we get ready for the 8th and 9th and 10th and onward. So, uh, and, you know, don't forget about September the 23rd, which was supposedly the beginning of the tribulation, says many. A lot of, lot of uh, learned folk believe that, and I don't know, obviously, but I'll lay it out for you and tell you what they're thinking, and make you can make your own sort of determination as to whether or not you think it's real. But anyway, so... Over the last eight years under Obama's media adored, I mean, you know, all of the cartoons where you've got the media humping Obama's leg, right, like a dog. Uh, This was Obama's media adored American transformation in which he basically just screwed everything up everywhere, okay? And then he just, you know, kicked the can. He set it up in such a way that all of the problems would amass and not really start exploding until he had left office. Pretty pretty smart uh, for a guy that's, uh, you know, ultimately not very bright. But from the media during that eight years, which was when conservative focus came into being about nine years ago, I guess it was, during that time period, they were nothing more than overblown cheerleaders. And we all know that. There's no doubt about it. There's no arguing it. Even I can remember back in that day, the argument was, is there any bias in the media? They actually tried to defend it, saying, oh, no, there's no bias. And you're going, are you, are you folks just retarded, or do you think we are, or is it a little bit of both? Pretty much. I don't know. So uh, suddenly now, folks, the media has rediscovered its role in investigation journalism. Isn't that fascinating? All of a sudden, they're doing investigations of the executive branch, trying to find things. Only thing is... They're starting a little bit late. I mean, like way late because all the things that they really need to be investigating happened over the past eight years. And, you know, Trump is just getting started. And, uh, you know, with, uh, look, with the eyeballs that Trump has on him from the media, he can only move in a, uh, a legal and constitutional direction. That's all he can do. Because, as you've seen, the Republicans will jump on him, the Democrats, the liberals, and the entire media. Uh, hell, they'll, they'll tell it, you know, this thing about Hitler. We had a Charlotte City Councilwoman come out and uh, compare Trump to Hitler. That made the, the, the news. And, and, by the way, she was like one of the top money wasters 
on the city council. Like you know, she did like seventeen thousand in travel, going back and forth to LGBTQ stuff because she's a uh, you know a clit licker or whatever you want to call them. Um, so uh, yeah, and yeah, I can say that here because I don't care. But she is she was so she spent all of her money going back and forth, and you know the Charlotte Observer. Uh, which is constantly licking the rumps of the Democrats and the liberals. Uh, licking is coming into this conversation quite a bit, isn't it? Well, that's pretty much what it freaking is. Um, irritated about that. But, yeah, you know, the Charlotte Observer, which I read for so many years, and I just finally I got sick of it. And I said, that, you know, it's either USA Today or it's the Wall Street Journal. I got no other options here. And uh, the Wall Street Journal, what I love about it is it's big and it's deep, okay? It's big, it's deep, and, uh, you know, it's real for the most part. They still spin it. They're still quasi-left-wingers, but they actually make sort of an actual effort to be somewhat objective. They hate Trump, okay? They don't don't like him, and they're right up in there in New York, but... um, they still make an effort, okay, uh, more so than most, I should say. And their editorial section is generally pretty darn good. I wouldn't call it excellent. If you want to get really good editorials, you got to come to conservative focus, uh, you know, maybe WND, maybe, I don't know. Alex Jones does more of the reporting stuff, so probably not Alex. But it's certainly not National Review. It's a joke. Uh, it's a neocon fantasy land. Uh, who else? I don't know. Probably, you know, uh, and you, you can't really go with Krauthammer or George Will anymore because they're getting paid by the Washington Post, and that's just as that's kind of like uh, you know Amazon in print. Um, so you know, uh, anyway, I, I, I digress. So here we go. The media, as we know, is always against Trump and the conservative movement. Their reporting is so one-sided that if they were an island, they would indeed flip over, okay? Uh, they, they, they have ignored this mountain of corruption on the left and during Obama's regime uh, almost systematically, okay, to the point where the conservative media is crying out. And then the ones that report what has actually happened, they accuse them of being conspiracy theorists, etc. And then you have some, certainly on the uh, on the right, uh, who are so damn stupid, and I run into them all the time, that they believe that the pap that the media puts out, okay, and they refuse, they refuse to even countenance a completely different viewpoint that's dead on, that conservative focus, which is why we're one of the top websites, even though I've backed way away. I just couldn't keep it up. I mean, I really, every weekend, writing essays uh, to explain what is happening. I mean, this is what I've been doing. I just, you know, I can't do this, okay? I just, you know, couldn't do it. I uh, couldn't keep that up. And, and it's because, mainly because, you know, mission accomplished. I got everything, folks, that I was wanting since the inception of CR, all the way up to one of the top websites in the world. And I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you how it is. Um, And, you know, we had major political figures, every House of Congress. uh, You know, we we were featured in in, and have been featured in so many different websites. Uh, It's crazy. Uh, And, and, but, you know, this is not for profit and it never will be. Never, okay, never. 
Uh, we try to recoup some of it, but this is a labor of love. This is America. This is I am an ex-military guy. I'm a Navy guy, and uh, you know I love America. I love the Constitution, and you know as long as I'm alive, I'm going to fight as hard as I can to keep this land of opportunity and hope from being replaced by uh, a tyrannically enforced uh, new world order um, uh, military base for the left, okay, for the for the globalists, which is what they're trying to do in essence. So anyway, if you want to hear uh, now, this this is what Chris Wallace did. Let me just get right to it. He has repeatedly attacked his colleagues at Fox, especially the conservative ones. Well, mainly the conservative ones, perhaps solely the conservative ones, over their insistent and deserved bashing of the fake news industry in general. This taken uh, uh, taken over every network in America. This is what he said in this particular AP interview, and I don't think it's got any audio with it, so I'll just paraphrase what he said. He says, "He said it bothers me." that if they want to say they like Trump or that they're upset with the Democrats, that's fine. That's opinion. That's what they do for a living. But he says, I don't like them bashing the media because oftentimes what they're bashing is stuff that we on the news side are doing. You see, he doesn't think of himself. He doesn't think of Fox as being a part from media in general, and that is where he makes his mistake. Fox is a centered news organization. That's what they are. That's why you get pissed off at them a lot, and I do too. But the left stays pissed off at them. Well, that means that they're centered, and they are more centered than any other news organization bar none, okay? Like, we have conservative focused emblazoned across the top of our website proudly. We tell you whose side we're on. We tell you what side is necessary for what what the precepts are, the ideology that we must stick to uh, writ large, if America is going to continue being the success that it has always been, that is that is our that is our entire operation, and we also focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the fact that uh, all of our analysis suggests that 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 is it's 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 real. He's real. They're real, and. They've had a hand uh, in the development and the growth of this nation and the blessing of this nation, and I believe that. Um, so, but you're not allowed to say that, right? Well, I am. I'll say it. By the way, I put up the post for, for, uh, for conservative folks tonight on Facebook. I've been out of Facebook jail for like five days, and they stuck me back in again. Can you believe <laughs> so, It's like, holy smokes, please stop. So anyway, yeah, I'll figure it out. But while Wallace gives his own bias, as you heard him say, hey, well, listen, he said, I don't think they recognize that they have a role at Fox News. He's talking about his own colleagues and that we have a role at Fox News. I don't know what's in their head. I just think it's bad form. Well, we know what's in your head, Chris Wallace. We have no doubt about it. And while he gives his own bias, fake news media, a break, and his more popular colleagues a slam, he certainly doesn't mind bashing his president, even while he defended Barack Obama during the Obama regime, constantly giving uh, him and all of the media, always bashing Trump and conservatism in general, always finding fault, always finding something that probably really isn't there. It's just a rumor or a way he's twisted something into being portrayed in a way that it really 
was never engineered or architected to be. And he's constantly giving Obama and all of the progressives wide latitude or wide latitude towards breaking America down and just selling off the pieces to the global elite. He is a globalist. And he defends Obama, something you would never hear him do. Listen to this. This is what he said to Steve Ducey. You're going to love this. This is from Fox and Friends. This is from early on in the Obama regime. And like I said, this article went nuts, absolutely nuts. So check it out. You know what? That sounds almost like uh, a bathroom they would uh, build next to the office of Chris Wallace, <laughs> the host of Fox News Sunday. Chris, you must have a fantastic facility there for you, right, up on the Capitol Hill area? Hey, hey guys. Listen, I, uh, I love you, oh, you guys, but I want to take you to task, if I may respectfully, for a moment. Yes. I have been uh, watching the show since 6 o'clock this morning when I got up, and, and I, it seems to me that, that uh, two hours of Obama bashing on this, uh, this typical white person remark uh, is somewhat excessive. And frankly, I think you're somewhat distorting what Obama had to say. I, 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 I actually right. clipped it out of the paper. All right. And what he said was, the point I was making was not that my mother harbors any racial animosity. She doesn't. But she is a typical white person, which is where you generally have clipped it. No. But what he went on to say is, who, if she sees somebody on the street that she doesn't know, there's a reaction that's been bred into our experiences that don't go away and that sometimes comes out in the wrong way. And that's just the nature of race in our Chris. society. I'm not saying it's the most felicitous no, remark that anybody sure. ever made, but but I, I, Chris, I, I, hold, I think hold, it's a little hold, more complicated than we've hold, been portraying. Right, we've actually read uh, the complete soundbite uh, three times so far. But what what uh, and, and we posed this uh, question to our viewers whether or not they were offended by that. It, it just seems curious that because Barack Obama said this, and people are going, "Oh, you're being too sensitive," or whatnot. But had Hillary Clinton said something on the other side had she said well that's a typical Irish person Polish person Italian person Swedish person whatever it hit the fan well I mean all I can tell you is that I've been watching on and off for a couple of hours and every clip I've seen ends at that's a typical white person when in fact he's going on to discuss the nature of race in our country and again I'm not saying it was the if he had it to do over again that he'd necessarily say it that way but I don't think that he was making a, a hyper racial remark and I guess I just feel like on a day when he's been endorsed by uh, Bill Richardson sure. and we have this story about the passports uh, and the State Department officials looking into them I feel like uh, two right. hours of Obama bashing may be well, well here it is Chris I know you watched and I appreciate you respecting us enough to say it on camera as opposed to right an email because I think it's better for our viewers to understand we don't agree on everything. But in all in all in all seriousness, as you know, uh, if you watch the show and you pump out the transcript, which for a dollar twenty-five you can have your own. It's no, no. I am on. I have said the other way about this soundbite because I really felt as though. Uh, I got a different meaning of it than, than maybe Steve and many other people and Gretchen got. So we've been debating that back and forth to the point where we ate up two other talking points and they were telling us to move on. Did you get that texture of the conversation? Well, I, I must say I, I missed uh, your, your saying that during the time that I was doing 20 hits. But I, I just sort of feel that, that, you know, he is trying to have uh, Obama. And I have my differences with the Obama campaign. Uh, and I certainly uh, do not countenance a lot of the things that Jerry 
Jeremiah Wright said. But, but I think that in trying to have a sensible conversation about race, uh, and I think that's what he was trying to do in an extemporaneous, it wasn't a speech, it was an extemporaneous mm -hmm. interview with a local talk radio station in Philadelphia. Uh, he was saying something about the way a lot of white people react when they see a black person walking down the street. I happen to actually think it's true, that, uh, and I probably and feel it myself. That's enough. Uh, well, there's a reason that you feel that when there's nothing wrong with it. It's because of all of the damn crime. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a natural response. If you just so happen to read the newspaper or watch video clips popping up on a daily basis on YouTube where they're playing the knockout game, Lee Daniel, uh, what do you think? How you doing? Uh, but, it, it, you know, I mean, I was just, you know, this is something that Chris Wallace would never do, Okay. Uh, for Trump and defend Trump, never hear it. You never hear this, will you? No, probably not, because he doesn't believe in in what he's doing, and yeah. he is he. You know, anybody that is in that situation who has picked a side is going to stand there and argue for it. And I, like I've said before, anybody in the media at all that takes a side, they might as well live with it because their job isn't to pick sides. Their job is to stay right in the middle and report the truth and to hell with who doesn't like it. Exactly, you know? but that's not what they do. That's not what they do, and we know that. And, it's you know, it's it, wrong as hell for anybody, us, them, anybody anywhere, to do anything else. If you want to call yourself a commentary, if you want to call yourself a an expert and say this is the way I construe this. Ah, that's fine, but don't present yourself as the impartial media. Well, and that's, that's just what a the load media does. Yeah, and, and and that's what the media does exactly. And this was kind of my point for taking on Chris Wallace. And like I said, this thing is uh, this article is blown up. You know, we we've, we've seen these explosive reads, and it finally sort of died down. Yesterday, just the website has been on fire, and uh, it's been kind of nice because yeah. you know I can focus on other things. But uh, now I'm now it's kind of dying down, so I got to get back to work. And but yeah, we we've got plenty of fodder here because uh, you know this news that came out about Manafort. Now that's the next thing. There's two major stories that we need to work through, and uh, one of these is this insider source. <clears throat> this now this is breaking on Tucker Carlson's show last night, and you can YouTube it and find the actual story. Uh, but uh, they're calling this individual who worked uh, at one time for the Podesta Group a reliable source. He was involved with the Clinton allies. Uh, John and Tony Podesta. We know all about the Podestas. The, the you know the WikiLeaks was a, a an exposure of all of the corruption within the Democrat Party as a result of simple emails sent to John Podesta, in addition to other things. But that was the main thrust of it. And uh, this individual told uh, Tucker Carlson last night, just before his show, there was like two. I think he spent two, two or four hours interviewing. On this, and they did. Uh, the guy did indicate that Paul Manafort was a regular 
at the P, at the at the Podesta group, which was founded by John Podesta, and it, you know it, it, they act as if John Podesta is no longer involved. When in fact, you know it, he's no longer involved only in an uh, official uh, sort of uh, FaceTime. In other words, behind the scenes, he's all over the Podesta group, and he's, he always will be because that's the group that was started by him and his brother. They have like 75 employees. They're a left-wing globalist Democrat group, and their main job is to steer America into the wrong direction, basically. So the source, who Carlson said he cannot name, much like the other, the FBI agent who is uh, wanting to tell his story as a, basically he was a a secret agent or a secret informant working inside the dealings between the Russians and the Clintons and the State Department and the Obama regime and the Clinton Foundation when the Uranium One deal was being worked out where we gave a massive chunk of our uranium stores to the Russians. There is there is your there is your collusion, so folks. So this agent wants to come forward and believe it or not, the the Department of Justice has not yet re- uh, released him from his gag order by which, if he were to say anything publicly, they could arrest him and they could put him away. Uh, so Jeff Sessions, who is Trump's attorney general, uh, is still maint- – uh, so far, now maybe this changes, or the, I've heard no news today, uh, that they are the, – the, 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 the scuttlebutt is that they're looking at uh, removing the gag order, okay? But there's no reason for that gag order to stay in place, especially if, and, and you know, the go-around is if Congress just uh, decides to subpoena the guy. No gag order is going to stand in front of a congressional committee, Lee. That's correct, isn't it? Just can't, it won't work. They've, he's got to... If Congress asks him the question, unless he were to take the fifth, and that's not the case because he wants to come forward and tell what happened, that gag order can't stand against a congressional inquiry, can it? As I remember the process, one or another has either either the Congress and typically the Senate has to take jurisdiction. Now, if they assume jurisdiction away from the court system, they have to base it on grounds and give notice, you know, we're assuming this because of national security or whatever, whatever justification they use. Then they can say, we're removing this gag order. That's the end of it. And the court system doesn't have much to to say about it, no. they, They have to go through a process, but, yeah, they can do it. Okay. So and, and you know that's basically what uh, Tony DeSantos said uh, when they stood there with uh, several other congressional members, including uh, Nunes and uh, that uh, sort of the, the the rhino from up there in New York, who seems to be he's morphing right now, probably because he's having an election. But anyway, so the source uh, who who hasn't given his name. Uh, describes former Black Manafort and Stone Principal Paul Manafort. He is Trump's main tie to the investigation. The source said it is Manafort's role as a liaison. Get this. This is this has never been out. Between Russia and the Podesta group that is drawing the scrutiny. 
the, and this was back in uh, you know like oh nine oh ten or, or you know in that in that range. The vehicle Manafort worked for was what Carlson called a sham company with a headquarters listed in Belgium, but whose contact information was linked to Kiev, the Uran the U I'm sorry the Ukrainian capital. Manafort was at the time representing Russian business and political interests during the Obama era. The so- yeah, I mean, come on, man. The source said that the Podesta group was in regular contact with Manafort while Hillary Clinton was America's chief diplomat. And, and you know, Podesta, I mean, Manafort is kind of a hired gun, folks, is the best way to describe him, a hired political gun, a, uh, a paladin, as they say. So in 2013, the group hired away one of uh, Clinton's deputies, David Adams, effectively establishing contact between the Washington firm and Clinton's office in Foggy Bottom, D.C. The source said that Tony Podesta spoke regularly with Clinton and was the one who personally hired Adams. Now, that's Tony of the Podesta group, and that's John Podesta's brother, of course. And during this time, the Uranium One deal was being facilitated by the White House, according to Carlson. Manafort was clear that Russia wanted to cultivate ties to Hillary. So there is your collusion. The, the Russians were partnering up with Clinton, and they, they were it was a standard or classic quid pro quo game. 145, they, they engineered an exchange of money for favors, which basically Hillary traded a vast amount of our uranium, about 20%, but... That's more than it sounds like it is, basically. And maybe Lee can explain that. But I do know that you know the uranium that we have is is not nearly as one fifth the, the uranium that we have available. Okay, is they act like oh, it's just one fifth of this vast mountain of uranium that we have, and that's not it. I believe it's uh, one fifth of both um, present and future stores. Now, the one argument that they give is that, well, uranium is not leaving the United States, and that is not true, because what we've already known, based on a New York Times, none other than, report, uh, stated that the yellow cake was making its way into Canada, and the Canada has already, you know, a the business part, the business front in Canada, had already shipped that uh, uranium, that yellow cake, which is what is used to eventually come up with a nuclear bomb. That has already been shipped out, and they don't know where it went. But I do remember posting up a story during this time frame of when this was initially being renewed. A lot of people don't even know about this. They'd never heard of it. We've been reporting on this for, what, two years now, Lee? I mean, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and anyway, there, there was a report where Russia had shipped uranium to Iran. Okay, and you know what you know what Iran is trying to do. Well, they had shipped you. So the question then became: Was that American uranium that you know that that they were shipping to Iran? Well, we don't know, but there is a very good possibility that it was. So, in essence, Clinton was the trolley by which American uranium ended up in Iran. Isn't that fascinating? And then there was the trading of our uh, ballistic technology to China during the Clinton administration. A lot of people probably don't know about that, but it happened. There's no doubt about it. They actually traded missile technology. They they managed a backdoor way to get it out of the States and into the Chinese hands. 
And that's how the Chinese nuclear race uh, started, or the nuclear cultivation period for China, which, you know, gave them the ballistic missile, etc. And then, of course, China then traded that ability uh, up to North Korea, you see. So if anybody's responsible for North Korea, it would have to be the Clintons, and they were the ones that, that had to deal with them back then. So it's just a vast, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, a vicious circle but anywhere you see this sort of thing, it seems like the Clinton name keeps surfacing, folks. So the Russians were cultivating their ties to Hillary because she appeared to be the presumptive 45th president. Well, okay, doesn't that blow away the narrative of the of the Russians trying to get Trump elected, folks? Yeah, you see? Yeah, it just kind of blows all of this stuff out of the water. And this is why D.C. is sort of in shock right now, because, you know, all of these things that we have been saying for so long, well, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory and all the nonsense that you hear coming out of their mouths. And it turns out that what we've been reporting and what we've been narrating and what our entire commentary has been true all along. Okay, and and don't think that Republicans don't have a hand in this. That's the thing. The establishment political class Republicans were the ones who engineered the Iran deal, the Iran deal, ability to be accepted by the Senate, okay? Yeah, that was actually Corker's deal. And this is why, this is the main reason why he's not running, because Boeing was feathering his pockets to make this deal happen, okay? And now that we all know exactly what took place and how he engineered sort of an upside-down Senate agreement in which it was possible to pass the... Obama-Iran nuke deal by basically inverting the voting process so that so that uh, not enough people could beat it instead of not enough people were voting for it. it, kind of like that. So, I mean, it just turned it upside down, making it possible for it to happen, and then they started complaining about it. Well, it is typical globalist Republican BS. So... Uh, Tucker said that the media's description of the probe being focused on Trump as an individual is mostly bogus. I would say it's pretty much all bogus. So Carlson said he has checked the information of this source out, and this is going to be developing as we move through. It will probably be on his show tonight, I'm sure. Uh, But John Podesta was Clinton's campaign chairman, and Manafort served as Trump's campaign chief during the summer of 20s. Just a, you know, a lot of kind of weird connections here, aren't there, Lee? Yeah, but that's what we started out for some years ago, trying to explain to everybody. And, you know, I started out explaining to you. It's all interconnected like a cobweb. Mm-hmm. And when you pull one string on a cobweb, uh, 50 other ones start moving and pulling and then the the spider starts pulling back and yeah, that's the whole does. explanation it's all interconnected behind the scenes and that is the part they never ever ever wanted understood Man, but is what you see it. is nothing it yeah. is absolutely nothing but an orchestration of what show they wanted put on, and the real goings-on are totally behind the scenes, and they're like a cobweb. 
as soon as you touch one of the real parts of that cobweb, you see the spider going after them. And it, it just, you know, and it works that way every time. And maybe now somebody is beginning to get to some of the real, you know, in a cobweb, there are all kinds of, of lines of web, but there's maybe eight or ten really big cables, so to speak, that hold the whole thing in place. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm, I'm looking I, at it. Yeah, I think those cables are getting ready to come down. That's what it's starting to look like. Well, I don't know what they're, getting, they're getting pulled real tight. I know that. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, you know, they are at some point, and I've said this now for, for almost five years, at some point they're going to retaliate. Then you're really going to see what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, but they haven't know, really uh, retaliated yet. Yeah, uh, their retaliations haven't worked. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I, I well, believe they have you, retaliated. I believe that. Listen, I believe the Trump dossier was a retaliation. I believe that is exactly what it was. It was, it was a deep state's retaliation. And what they didn't know was that was a. It was like Sebastian Gorka described last night in The Hunt for Red October. You know, that's one of my favorite movies, too. I love that movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where they fired the, the torpedo, but the sub was so close that they, they couldn't safe arm it. In other words, a safe arm it is, right. is, you know, it has to be far enough away from the sub for it to activate. Well, they couldn't do that, so they had to basically, you know, kill that uh, that device that's designed to protect the submarine that fires it. So what happened was, somehow the the you know the 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 Red October was able to evade this torpedo, and uh, the torpedo turned around. Oh, they rammed it. Yeah. Well, no, there was another part where the torpedo turned oh. around because there were several battles, but the oh, torpedo yeah. turns around, you know, and and gets uh, it takes out the ship that fired it, and that's the danger in that. So anyway, that's how Sebastian Gorka describes it. Um, so well, now, one of on the things tr- that one of the things that has been threatened over and over is, and it was it was made very clear uh, at one point where I was standing there and listened to it that if so and so does this, we will collapse the stock market Monday morning, and you will not put it back up. Because we'll crash it and ruin it to where you go down with it. And yeah, that but, was the yeah, sta- but, that was a statement of another country to us that they were going to have their way through that spider. Well, web. yeah, Saudi Arabia has threatened to to you know sell sell our bonds, et cetera. They threatened us. They threatened us when we passed that law, stating that they could be sued for terrorist acts oh, yeah. that occurred. Yeah, I mean, they actually, that was the bill that was passed, and they did threaten us at the time, but, uh, you know, uh, they're they're not in a position to be threatening the United States at this point, and they know it. They understand now that Trump, you know, I mean, Trump is yeah, not the, a bullshitter. I mean, yeah, gonna, the issue you know, has raised way up. Yeah, it has. So, uh, and maybe, you know, there's a, it's hard for me to imagine the, any, any sort of globalist who loves his money uh, collapsing the stock market. And, if, of course, they will hedge it. But, you know, the hedge funds, the ones, these are, these are the firms that make money when stocks drop. 
by by you know um, it's called hedging, and uh, these hedge fund managers have been losing their tails uh, because the stock market has been exploding. So they can't you know if, if there's no money to be lost, any any time money is lost, there's a loser and a winner. Generally, it's the hedge fund is the winner. Okay, the ones that hedge the stock and um, uh, basically buy it high and then bet on the loss and then pocket the difference. Okay, that's how they do it, and uh, and they make a lot of money. Uh, the problem is if it goes up, they lose their tail, and, and that's why some of these hedge funds are not doing well at all. And remember, Trump does not like hedge funds. That's one of the things that he repeatedly stated during the campaign. So anyway, because they're betting on America to lose. I mean, you know, it's kind of a, I don't know, uh, it's just a very negative way of it. It's sort of like uh, anti-capitalism, sort of like left-wing capitalism. I mean, it's not a positive uh, uh, thing. It's like going into business just to defeat somebody else. It, and I've heard of yeah, a lot of business guys. Yeah, I mean, you go in business to defeat somebody else, you're going to end up uh, you know, beating yourself. You're going to defeat yourself. That's not a reason to go into business. The reason to go into business is to build your business, not defeat somebody else's. And that's a hard lesson to learn, and I've seen it happen firsthand. I've watched it. You know, a guy who wanted to take out a competitor uh, built a business across the street, and his life just imploded. And this mainly because it's just sort of a karmic thing. I mean, you know, that's not a positive foundation to build anything upon, trying to beat the snot or trying to defeat or make somebody else fail. That's not a reason to do anything. Okay, and you know they say that you know when you when you go after somebody uh, for revenge, uh, you might as well dig two graves, one for the guy you're after and the other one for yourself. So anyway, um, what we have learned, and this is the the most fascinating thing, uh, as Trump stated, is that the Washington Post, none other than, confirmed that Hillary Clinton's campaign, in conjunction with the Democrat National Committee. Folks were the sponsors who actually funded the creation of the Trump dossier, and that was the thing that got the whole special counsel moving. That's what started it, folks, to investigate the Trump campaign. That's what that was designed to do, and Comey made it work. Okay, and see, Comey thought he was going to, you know, this. He thought he was. He didn't like Trump, and some of the things that he did, uh, supposedly against Hillary. were very negative. She says, well, it helped me to lose, but he had to do something. That's the thing. All this stuff was out. They had to act, and so that's precisely what he did. But it ended up backfiring on him, and he got fired. And this is the way it always seems to go. You know, this is why I go back to Kim Clement, Lee Daniel, and uh, on what he stated, I mean, it's just everything that they have tried to kill America and kill Trump with is backfired, constantly backfiring, and Trump is constantly proved correct, right? And all the media portrayals, I mean, they've been after Trump with this stuff all along, and as it turns out, the side that they were defending and, and you know, had all their hopes and wishes on is a very side that was actually doing what they reported Trump to be doing. And so it's just it's become a a classic cluster F, okay, of reporting. Now, so the investigation initially centered upon any possible connection between Trump and or any of his campaign members and their contacts with Russia, in addition to any other possibilities that may arise. 
And when you dig deeper into this, you see that, you know, Mueller has a bit of a conflict. Rosenstein has a bit of a conflict as far as this uranium one stuff because they knew about it. Because remember, there was an insider who had been investigating the uranium one deal and all the things that took place. They called it racketeering with the Russians trying to get into to Hillary Clinton and trying to get into, you know, becoming the king of nuclear, I mean, uranium stores, which is the one thing that you have to have to build, you know, nuclear and thermonuclear devices. So uh, nothing on President Trump's been discovered. Now, they did get Manafort a little bit so far, right? And remember, he worked for the Podesta Group in 2009. I mean, he was working with them and the Russians. So it's clear that he had all of these connections, but what has been uncovered is a fact that Manafort was working as a go-between between the Clinton Foundation, the State Department, and the Russians, and really the Obama regime in general. I mean, he was operating as a middleman between all of those entities when they were trying to get to the uranium. So... You see, this is where this thing is just kind of curved back, and now it's rammed into Hillary Clinton and the Obama regime's hall, and they're taking on water, folks. I mean, this this thing could get really ugly. Yes, this makes Watergate, folks, it looks like a simple shoplifting case, like somebody walked up and took a piece of bubble gum from a store, right? That's That's how bad, and this is treasonous. And, you know, this whole thing was engineered by the deep state. Comey was going to pay uh, the G- Fusion GPS, which is the uh, the initial organization that the Clinton Foundation funded, and that was a group of Wall Street Journal reporters, you know, the ones that can't get your paper anywhere near your mailbox, okay? Yeah, they, they, they were the ones who started this foundation, very leftist-oriented, and they were the ones that went to this fellow, Chris Steele, who went to the Russians, and the Russians were the ones who started parlaying all of this, uh, this fiction, total and complete fiction, okay, against Trump, and that's how sort of the story coalesced. So this thing comes from Russia, of all places, folks. So it's kind of like, you know, Russia's not going to get hurt by this beyond, you know, being exposed. They don't really care. What are we going to do, declare war? But it sort of has backfired on them as well, I guess, because what you see is that they have nefarious aims, okay, as in sort of cornering the market on uranium. They want to be the king of nukes, basically. And, uh, and and it just goes well beyond that. And like, as Lee states, uh, all of these blasted web connections that exist, and the connections are everywhere with this. So the deep state engineered the investigation. It has backfired on Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, fraudulently trading the rights of our uh, nuclear weapons-making material. And they have admitted that they were the ones, the, Clinton, the Clintons and the DNC, who funded Fusion GPS, which hired the British officer, uh, intel officer, to dig up the dirt uh, on Trump. Now, this is coming now from the Washington Post. It did originally, the, uranium, the original Uranium One story was from Paul Schweitzer of Clinton Cash, the Breitbart editor, and the New York Times. That's a dynamic duo, if ever there were one, the New York Times and Breitbart. So the firm Fusion GPS had originally been funded by a still unknown GP, GOP consultant firm, during the combat of 2016 GOP primary, 
And, you know, that's probably going to be where Romney comes into this, Lee. What do you think about that? I think Romney might uh, – there's going to be some ties to Romney in this, I'm betting you. What do you think? Probably. He's old politics. Yep. And yep. He, he's old religion. He's old money. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you. That's so we'll one see, of, folks. That's one of the spiders that will come out of the woodwork. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll see, and he's been mighty quiet of late, hasn't he? He has been mighty quiet. Yeah. And don't forget now, but John McCain, the, the, one of the chief Trump haters, right? The, the they call him a maverick, and and you know Trump is really the maverick. Uh, McCain is really just a closeted. Uh, he's just a closet Democrat, folks. You know that's that's what he is. I mean, he's not a Republican. And he's he's a pathetic piece of work. But anyway, Clinton lawyer Marky e. Elias retained the firm, GPS Fusion, in April of 2016. And he continued to fund the work by Fusion GPS until just days before the presidential election. How about that? The dossier did include explosive allegations, as you all know. So now it seems that the media, having been fully embroiled within this Trump collusion narrative, has again been found to be culpable folks by association. I mean, it looks like this thing was lifted from the House of Cards episode, uh, and this was designed from the start to demean the Trump administration and campaign, which involved a leftist media group. Already previous, we folks, we were on this story, when was it? Um, all the way back in uh, even beyond June the 25th of 17, okay? Uh, well, actually, way, 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 way back uh, beyond that. But that's really when the, all of this news really started hitting pretty hard, okay? But, um, yeah, So, but as far as the Trump dossier, but I'm talking about the Uranium One in conjunction with it. It's crazy how you have all these connections. It really is. So, um uh, let's see, and, and uh, let me see. Um, yeah, they. Oh, by the way, they, the, Lee, they were so secretive. Fusion GPS. If you go to their website, which I don't even know if it's still up, it could be down uh, at this point. Uh, let's see, but uh, they they're so secretive that their website consists of only one page containing two short paragraphs. And that means that their funding wasn't based on any sort of marketing or conventionality. I mean, that, that means that their revenue was secretive, back channel, and all of that. Um, let me see. Do, do I still have uh, the link on uh, Fusion? Let's just see if their website is still up. Uh, I would be surprised. What do you think? Is it, is it still up, Lee? What do, you, what do you think? What are you guessing before I go there? Is it or isn't it? Yeah, I think it probably is. Are they uh, they won't back out of the game until they're made to. Like yeah, Blackwater. Well, they're not on the front page, I'll tell you that. I mean, I'm kind of coursing through this Internet search for Fusion GPS. Might, and, they might uh, have already uh, gotten hit hard enough. Yeah, let's, uh, let me see. Let's just go to FusionGPS.com and see what we get. Yeah, wait a minute, there's something here. Okay, it's still up. But the folks, the, the thing is, there's nothing there. If you go to the website, it's still there. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to offer any information. Yeah, I mean, it's just a page, and they're up. Uh, their Alexa world rank is now 2,530,000. That's pretty good for a company that, you know, uh, that <laughs> that has one page. Uh, and 
it says we offer a cross-disciplinary approach with expertise in media, politics, regulation, national security, and global markets, and they provide a premium fake research, strategic fake intelligence, and do mm-hmm. non-diligent services to corporations, law firms, and investors worldwide. And yet, the the, the only thing is an email info at fusiongps.com. I wonder if it would make it there. Anyway, um, no, we're not going to email them. Not right now. So, uh, so there, there's part of your story. But now, Circa was Circa News was one of the ones. Uh, Sarah Carter was her name. In addition to uh, uh, the other gentleman, Solomon, I think is his name. Uh, they were the ones who who originally confirmed this meeting between Trump Jr. and the Russian lawyer. Remember that media storm having Kremlin ties. Along with several, you know, see, Fusion GPS was the organization that uh, indirectly arranged that meeting and then created the firestorm over it, if you'll recall. So it was like a setup. So, I mean, it just goes deeper and deeper. Now, also, key co founder and partner in the firm of Fusion GPS is and was a Hillary Clinton donor and supporter of her presidential campaign. His name's Peter Fritsch. He contributed about 1000 to the Victory Fund. I'm sure he gave more than that. His wife also donated money. But remember, uh, property records show that in June of 2016, as Clinton allies bankrolled, uh, bankrolled Fusion GPS, Fritsch bought a six-bedroom, five-bath home in Bethesda, Maryland, for $2.3 million, and he did not respond to requests for comments. Okay, A firm, uh, a lawyer for Fusion GPS, so the firm's work is confidential. Moreover, it was the same Fusion GPS media hacks, of course, who introduced the dossier. And uh, they, the, it, it, folks, it just gets worse and worse. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I'd nauseam on this. Um uh, and explaining what all happened, but you know the basics, okay? Uh, so this conspiracy, while it now is really building up, and it is a conspiracy, that's a, it's a corrupt and secret op- operation between two people or more designed to, um, what is the word here, Lee, to, 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 to basically create a false narrative, and uh, there's more news on this, but it involves John McCain, FBI Director Andrew McCabe, uh, Loretta Lynch, U.S. Department of Justice, the FBI, Comey. And remember, Comey offered to pay Christopher Steele 50000 for the information. So you can keep going and going. The CFR, I believe, is fully involved in this. Um, their ongoing agenda to derail the Trump presidency in favor of a counter-coup insurgency. Uh, you've got your deep state kleptocrats who do not like, and most of them are of the origin from the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations. They have continually sought to surrender U.S. sovereignty, so I believe they are fully uh, engaged or were fully engaged in this. And there are connections between the CFR and one of its donors who helped start Fusion GPS and one of its founders. Okay, I have that in another story here at CR. So, folks, the... Hillary Clinton, via the U.S. State Department, acted on behalf of the Russians to lay claim to a substantial amount of America's uranium, which is used to build nuclear bombs and sell it to Russia, quid pro quo. That is treasonous. That's the thing. 
So this thing is blown wide open, and we still have stuff coming out, and there's going to be a lot more. And, uh, you know, so just, you know, buckle up. Uh, this this ride could be really wild, okay? Could be really wild. And then you have the other story with this U.S. agent, okay, who is working undercover for the FBI, who is coming forward to tell his story. And remember, there is a gag order from the DOJ that Sessions has yet to release. You need to call Sessions and ask him, hey, what's up with this? Why aren't you releasing this? Are you working for the Clintons? Are you working for the deep state? Who are you working for? So the Obama regime, Hillary's U.S. State Department, has made Hillary's Russian collusion event against the direct interest of U.S. national security even more laced with irony. She was a sponsor, and that torpedo has curved around and hit her, and I love it. Okay. So, uh, Lee, any other comments? Now, we do have the, the, the thing about the Bill Clinton meeting with Vladimir Putin just before the Uranium One deal was ironed out. Um, so, I mean, it just, there's your web of connections. You know, it just keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and the, the reason that all of this really got this far and got this, I guess, complicated was the fact that maybe five years ago, they their whole system, the whole system of everything that you're talking about and we're talking about, they thought they won. To them, and like I said last week, to Princeton, Columbia, and Yale universities, they did win. The whole, they said there was a coup and we lost. That was four plus four plus years ago that they did that study, and they said, you know, we the American people lost. You know, somebody else is now running the United States, whether we choose to believe that or not. Global. And they were right. At they that were point, right. They were right. At that point, you're right. And Obama was a globalist, and that's the problem with globalists. They're not working for us. They're working for some murky something or the other. Somewhere else, and you know, we could call it. We could call it sort of the. I I believe I I keep saying this because I believe it more and more fervently that this is the 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 impetus, the beginnings, the origin, the genesis of the Antichrist movement, which is really moving to the fore now. When you see what is happening in Europe and really all over the world, even the Russians. It's the movement. It's the movement of the beast. Yeah, it is. In the book of Revelation. It absolutely is. So therefore, it is, and you you have these ascribers to it, and they have fully infiltrated the Democrat Party, okay? They have fully taken over that party. And it, I don't know if they're going to be able to come back, Lee, but I don't really... And they have fully taken the, over at, at least 147 major corporations that are supposed absolutely. to be loyal to the United States. Absolutely. And see, this is why you see the corporations turn on uh, Mm -hmm. legislation designed for freedom of religion and freedom of arms. I mean, uh, and you see it all the time. And you see, but but they're starting, I I mean, I've been watching GE collapse. I mean, Emelt left GE, and that is a globalist firm, if ever there were one, folks. Uh, He left GE in a pickle. And this guy, I mean, this huge, massive firm has been so mismanaged of late by leftists, by the way, that 
uh, this new guy is coming in, and he is stripping all of this stuff down. And, you know, they're talking about not paying dividends and <clears throat> or lessening their dividend. And so this globalist organization, one of the really a cornerstone globalist organization, is taking massive hits right now, one right after the other. And, I mean, I'm sure they survived, but, I mean, to what end? I mean, we, we've also watched Sears yeah. taking a hit uh, because they, they, they won't be selling any more Whirlpool brands, you know. Uh, and this is because of a pricing conflict, and you know the uh, the Kenmore. They're Barclays. still going to make Kenmore. Yeah, you just see all of these things taking place. And uh, well, you remember who it was that sold us out at, during the Manhattan Project? Who was that? General Electric was the one that made go. the deal at the Bohemian right. Grove that those 36 corporations would own the technology from the Manhattan Project forever. Right. And exactly. be able to do as they damn well pleased with it. That's a good point. Excellent point. And there's more to come, I believe. So what is happening when you – and, you know, it's interesting, too, that when uh, Obama, with his crony capitalism, a year after – uh, you know, and, and many people are becoming more and more. But, but the main thing is the crony capitalism is coming to an end. And all the, I mean, before Obama, we had 200 billionaires in this country. After, we have like 450 now. And, you know, and meanwhile, the guys on, on the lower end are getting, were getting screwed worse and worse. Okay, people were falling into poverty. The middle class was was sort of falling into a lower class uh semi uh you know semi semi middle class grouping we were losing our middle class and this is one this is one of the main reasons that Trump ran and this is what happens when a country is run by uh, socialist precepts like any country so you you see the big earners at the very top become really big big earners but you see the people on the bottom half losing uh really even big more losers. and even if yeah, the middle class. Now, all of a sudden, after nine months of Trump, it's inverting again. And you're starting to see these big, huge, crony capitalist corporations starting to take major hits. They can't stay afloat without the government money being you know, thrown at them by the, uh, by the oligarchs of America. And I just think it's priceless to watch this happening. Um, and remember, folks, you know, a lot of people think that these regulations – this vast array of regulations that Trump is defeating. A lot of people think that it is the government that is the initial sort of instigator of these things, but that is that is not true. Uh, and that's only true in part, I should say. The real nexus of regulation is, ladies and gentlemen, big corporations. And what they're trying to do is to uh, sort of single out and destroy their smaller competitors who could be a threat to them. So they create regulations that would make it impossible for these uh, younger, smaller companies to overcome without hiring an army of lawyers and you know uh, tax experts uh, to be able to navigate through just a myriad labyrinth of regulatory hell. So the corporations well, can easily... Uh, navigate There's it. a twofold part to that, Barry. Yeah, go ahead and hit me with the second one. They don't want any of the rank and file people who don't have a 1,200% overhead 
to be able to really get into the market and prosper because go. it's going to pull their inflated prices down when in reality they don't give a damn about going out and producing a product or producing exactly. a service. They care about they care about the manipulation of their stock. Yep. And their money game. That's a really good point. But it also speaks to what I was originally saying too, doesn't it? Because the wealthy exactly. the super wealthy and you know, the, the, the ones down on the bottom have to pay more for this crap. And so they have less to live on. I mean, and it's the same with taxes when you look at it, folks. So when you think about regulation, remember, it's the big corps. It's the monsters who are creating this labyrinth of regulation hell for the smaller companies. And it also, as Lee stated, that is an excellent point. They keep the prices high so that the, the you know, by regulation so that the, the lesser companies can't come up and compete with them, and that's sort of the, the that's the irony there. So, but now back to what we were saying though about Bill Clinton, because I wanted to get that in here. Now, uh, as he prepared to collect a five hundred thousand dollar payday in Moscow, okay, uh, Bill Clinton in 2010 sought clearance from the State Department to meet with a keyboard director of the Russian nuclear energy firm Rosatom. Ah, yes, they are at the center of all of this. Uranium One, which at the time needed the Obama administration's approval for this controversial uranium deal to go through, okay? And this is from government records. Now then, the guy's name was Arkady Dvorkovic, a top aide to then-Russian President Dmitry Medvedev, and one of the highest-ranking government officials to serve on Rosatom's Board of Supervisors, as was listed on May 14th of 2010. Uh, the email is, he was one of the 15 Russians... Uh, the former president wanted to meet during a late 2010 uh, trip, the documents show, okay? In the context of a possible trip to Russia by the end of June, uh, the Wall Street, oh, I'm sorry, the WJC is being asked to see the business government folks below and would state have concerns about William Jefferson Clinton seeing any of these folks. Clinton Foundation Foreign Policy Advisor Amitabh Desai, <laughs> whew, that's a mouthful, wrote the State Department on May 14th using uh, 2010 using the former president's initials and forwarding the list of names to former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's team. While we apparently still don't know whether he was ultimately Clinton, Bill Clinton was ultimately approved to hold those meetings, his team did to confirm that he met with Vlad Putin at his private residence. The documents don't indicate what decision the State Department finally made. Of course it doesn't. But current former aides to Clinton's uh, to the Clintons told the Hill on Thursday the requests made to meet the various Russians came from other people, and the ex-president aides and state decided in the end not to hold any of the meetings with the Russians on the list. But instead, he got to go straight to the top of Vlad at the Russian leaver's private homestead. Meanwhile, the Hill also revealed yet another face of the story from a close associate of Clinton, Bill Clinton, who said that his trip to Russia may have been as much about helping family members grow investments in their business with Russian oligarchs and other businesses. So you see, um, now this story was at Zero Hedge, but the, the web here again, you keep seeing new webs being connected, okay? Of course, Hillary calls it a big nothing burger, and it was in the past. That's her favorite thing. 
Uh, that was in the past. I, you know, we've already litigated that. It's in the past. And, and she also said, uh, in addition to her nothing burger comment, that everyone should promptly return their focus to uh, the 100,000 worth of Facebook ads that destroyed her kid. But, yeah, like 100,000 Facebook ads, $100,000 worth of Facebook, that's going to destroy her campaign. That's so dumb. Folks, she thinks you're stupid, doesn't it? Lee, this woman thinks we're all idiots, doesn't she? Well, that's 50% of it that she depends on the fact that most people are idiots. Most of the, the media other 50% are, percent of it is The other 50% is arrogance that she can just do as she damn well pleases, and somebody yep. that, that we don't see is going to back her play and enforce it right on through. Right. That's she it. is totally yeah. 100% arrogant to that point, and Bill Clinton is even worse. And, folks, now you've got an FEC complaint against the Clinton campaign for violating campaign law with their Trump dossier payments. Uh, this is at the Washington Times. Her campaign in the DNC violated campaign finance law by failing, okay, failing to um, failed disclose to payments for, yeah, for dossier on Donald. They didn't, they didn't disclose the payments. Of course, they're, they're, you know, when they start digging, they're going to find a lot of that crap. But... This was a complaint filed Wednesday with the Federal Election Commission. The complaint from the nonprofit Campaign Legal Center said the uh, Democrats effectively hid the payments from public scrutiny contrary to the requirements of federal law. By law, campaign and party committees must disclose the reason money is spent and its recipients. By filing misleading reports, the DNC and Clinton campaign undermined the vital public information role of campaign disclosures, says Adav Nodi, the senior director of trial litigation at the uh, CLC and former FEC official. Voters need campaign disclosure laws to be enforced so that they can hold their candidates accountable. So there she's got a new problem there. This woman's got problems blowing up all around her, don't she, Lee? And then there's even more. Now, folks. Yeah, um, but, you know, what uh, again? What I want to see so bad is who was it that motivated her, provoked her, or told her, "Go ahead, do this. We'll get you away with it." Those are the ones I want to see somebody get their hands on. Well, you know, because I mean, that was pretty Hillary, much the entire to some degree, is, Hillary to some degree, and even though. There is a little tiny speck of personal attachment there from the from way back. Hillary is a dumb blonde to some degree. Yeah, if she, she if she acts, she'll believe something like like the dumb blonde and and go well, with me, it. Yeah, let me interrupt for a second now because the show is getting ready to. I don't know if it ever goes dead or not, but if it does on you, remember you can come to iTunes and pick up CR Live. Or wait about an hour, and the third hour is going to pop. And we got a lot of stuff in the third hour that we're going to move through, including Project Bluebeam, which I'm sure Lee will love going over that. Uh, in addition to some other stuff oh, about the yeah. witcheries and all that. So uh, I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, give the voices a rest, and then we get back. We're going to we're going to finish up this stuff, and we're going to head into. Um, going to head into the second part of the uh, more extreme side of the show. So hang with us. This is Barry Secrets and Lee Daniel. We'll be right back. 
Hello. Welcome to Obama Golf. My name is Trina. How can I help you? Yes, hi. I received an email from Golfsmith stating that my Pro V1 golf ball order had been canceled and I should go to your exchange to reorder it. So I tried the website, but it doesn't seem to be working. So I'm calling the 800 number. Yes, I'm sorry about the website. It should be fixed by the end of 2014, but I can help you. Thanks. I ordered some Pro V1 golf balls. Sir, Pro V1s do not meet our minimum standards. I will be happy to provide you with a choice of Pinnacle, Top Flight, or Callaway Blue. But I've played Pro V1 for years. The government has determined that Pro V1s are no longer acceptable, so we have instructed Titleists to stop making them. Top Flights are better, sir. I am sure you will love them. But I like the Pro V1. Wait, why are Top Flights better? That is all spelled out in the 2700-page Affordable Golf Ball Act passed by Congress. Well, how much are these Top Flights? It depends, sir. Do you want our bronze, silver, gold, or platinum package? Uh, what's the difference? 12, 24, 36, or 48 balls. Well, the silver package may be okay. How much is it? It depends, sir. What is your monthly income? Well, what does that have to do with anything? I need that to determine your government golf ball subsidy. Then I can determine how much your out-of-pocket cost will be. But if your income is below the poverty level, you might qualify for a subsidy. In that case, I can refer you to our ball aid department. Ball aid? Yes. Golf balls are a right. Everyone has a right to golf balls. So if you can't afford them, then the government will supply them free of charge. Who said they were a right? Congress passed it. The president signed it, and the Supreme Court found it constitutional. Whoa, whoa, wait. I don't remember seeing anything in the Constitution regarding golf balls as a right. There's no explicit mention of golf balls in the Constitution, but President Obama is a former constitutional scholar, and he believes it would have been included if the Constitution had not been drafted by a bunch of slave-owning white men. The Democrats in the Congress and the Supreme Court agree with the president that golf balls are now a right guaranteed by the Constitution. I don't believe this. It's the law of the land, sir. Now we anticipated most people would go for the silver package. So what is your monthly income, sir? Forget it. I'll just forego the balls this year. In that case, sir, I will still need your monthly income. Why? To determine what your non-participation cost would be. What? Wait, you can't charge me for not buying golf balls. It's the law of the land, sir. <laughs> Approved by the Supreme Court. It's forty nine fifty or one percent of your monthly income. Oh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll pay the forty nine fifty. Sir, it is the forty nine fifty or one percent of your monthly income, whichever is greater. Are you kidding me? What a ripoff. Actually, sir, it's a good deal. Next year it will be two percent. Look, I'm gonna call my congressman to find out what's going on here. This is ridiculous. I'm not gonna pay it. Sorry to hear that, sir. That's why I had the NSA track this call and obtain the make and model of the cell phone you're using. Why does the NSA need to know what kind a cell phone I'm using. So they can get your GPS coordinates, sir. The hell is that? That would be the IRS, sir. Thanks for calling Obama Golf. Have a nice day. And God bless the land of the free and the home of the brave. Have questions about business insurance? Simply log on to www.carolinaindustrial.com. We make it our business to get to know yours. Running a business is a full-time job. So is protecting it. Auto Owners Insurance protects thousands of businesses just like yours. We'll assess your needs and eliminate your insurance problems so you can devote more time to what you do best, managing your business. See us for no-problem business protection through Auto Owners Insurance. Auto Owners, no-problem people. 
Carolina Industrial in Matthews, insuring businesses statewide for over 21 years. 704-845-2456. 704-845-2456. Auto owners, no problem people. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. agent and an expert on demonology and the occult in addition to being a biblical expert man that's quite a that is quite a combination lee daniel so uh and we need these uh, in this day and time man we need an expert on all of this stuff i tell you because uh this it just keeps getting deeper and deeper so now of course these journalists with all of this dnc clinton stuff well, their initial reaction is to downplay all of it, of course. Uh, according to the – and the Washington Post helped release this. Um, they, what, what is happening is they're, they're just sort of going, you know, good morning America spent like a few seconds, maybe a minute. Um, but they're, they're, re, they're trying to redirect, as they always do, the conversation uh, away, okay, uh, from any of this, especially, and, uh, and especially the one who paid for it, and they're trying to spread mistruths in the process, and you should hear some of their defenses. It's just incredible. Uh, Dan Gilmore, a journalism professor, tweeted that the GOP started the funding for the dossier, which is not exactly accurate, and an ominous GMP donor paid Fusion GPS for standard opposition research, but bowed out of it before Fusion ever hired Steele. I believe it was probably at about the time that Romney was called to the, uh, you know, the uh, to Trump's special office grounds to be uh, queried as to whether or not he would make a good State Department guy. I think it was just sort of a, you know, sort of a Trump saying, "Hey, look at me! I can hire you and fire you now, bitch." But anyway, okay. Uh, and, and I don't know that. Nobody knows, but we just know who Mitt Romney is. Uh, and then you had, um, let's see, the stupid page keeps moving on me. Brian Fallon, a CNN contributor and former Clinton spokesman, conflated the payment for opposition research with the funding of the dossier. Uh, you know, that's not opposition research. That's opposition fiction, ladies and gentlemen. And further, um, I don't know why this thing is doing that. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, further tweets found insisted the contents of the dossier were the important part of the story, despite the fact that most of it was fake. All of it was fake, and it, I don't know. And knowing Bill Clinton, it was probably about him instead of Trump. But anyway, an executive producer for MSNBC's Velshine Rule was desperate to peddle as far from the DNC as Clinton funding as possible. In a tweet she sent to the president, she also incorrectly claimed the dossier was first funded by Republicans and pointed out that Donald Trump Jr. once met with a Russian lawyer, and that was at the behest of uh, 
uh, of uh, the Fusion GPS team. That was kind of a fraudulent uh, try to get dirt uh, on Donald Trump Jr., and he was trying to get dirt on Clinton. But anyway, Jim Roberts, former New York Times reporter, uh, insisted – this stupid page keeps moving around on me. Um, wait a minute. Mercy. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, there we go. Well, yeah, uh, he he said that the real issue is, is Trump's alleged ties to Russia. Okay. MSNBC's Megan Murphy insisted that the journalists should avoid worrying about who paid for the dossier or even the dossier itself, and instead should focus on whether or not the Trump campaign was colluding with Russia. These people are like mules, Lee. It's kind of a dream talking point now for Trump. For, I mean, tr- a Trump talking point. It doesn't change the matter of the fact of what's important here. And that were the campaign's connections to Russia. While totally and completely we shall ignore Hillary's real connections with Russia, her proven connections at this point, CNN's Josh, or John Bernan, uh, Berman made sure to remind his viewers that some parts of the dossier have corroborated the Russian investigation, although what? He does not mention the parts of the dossier that are most damning to Trump have yet to be confirmed. Oh, yeah, they've been corroborated against the Clintons. The intelligence community has corroborated whoever paid for it, has corroborated a lot of the information that's been in there to begin with, blah, blah, blah. You know, they, they are, they're just foolishly clinging, like uh, bitter clingers, Lee Daniel, to the story that we already know is just completely untrue. And it's, and it's becoming comical. Um, it, it really is. And then you've got the uh, Robert Mueller has opened an investigation into the Podesta group. That was the news that first came out, and then all this other stuff started coming out. And many do believe Rush made the point, you know, Infowars is making the point uh, today that the elites are sacrificing the Clintons. Well, I don't think they have much choice uh, at this point. Uh, you know, they, they're going to go down. They don't want to. They're more used to them. Nope, that's true. And they're not going to do anything else. I mean, they're done, effectively. So who knows? But you've got now Friday. We do have the the fact that the Kennedy files are going to be released by Trump. Lee, what do you think we're going to see in that? I don't think we're going to find out as much as everybody hopes. There's going to be a lot of supporting information that, the CIA does not want uh, exposed because they wanted it handled in-house by them, by nobody else, and they'd tell everybody what to say and do about it. And that was it. Well, we'll the, see, because I know that they've been fighting hard against getting it released, and yeah. then they tried to, to stop certain parts of it from being released, and I think right. Trump, uh, you know, what, what Roger Stone told Trump was you really need to release all of this or you're going to be part of the, you know, this uh this If you don't do it, you're, then you're part of it. Yeah, so I believe Trump is going to listen to that because he don't want to be involved in that. And, you know, no, uh, I, he, knows, he knows the deal. He knows the deal about all right. of this. Right, and the, is, there's not – after it's released, if, if somebody smart – really starts digging and starts tying, you know, dot to dot, a new picture is going to come out that may confirm a lot of the suspicions. And, you know, it's not going to be that LBJ engineered it because 
he may have been a big part of it. He may have received a big big chunk of reward from it, but he's not the one that engineered it. He's not uh, the one with the idea. Well, and remember, and, and what I always I am reminded of is what Kennedy stated about you know what about trying to expose this movement that he called the secret exactly. societies. And these are the things that we are constantly talking. He said it was secret societies that were they were the globalists at the time, and and the globalist folks are made up all of these different various organizations like the Freemasons, the Rosicrucians, the all, you know the uh, the Templars who who are something else. The now. Vatican. The Opus Dei, yeah, the Vatican. I mean, yep. there are so many. There are so many. And their organizations date back to ancient times, ladies and gentlemen. You have the Illuminati. They have their own website. People are like, oh, they don't exist. They have their own freaking website. We've been over this. I've shown you. Yeah. Okay. And I, I still have to do the story on that. I just, all this crap, you know, blowing apart everywhere. <laughs> you don't really have it's the chance. Just- it's like I said about the, the board meeting in hell uh, you know, on, the, on the occasion when Lucifer thought, well, I'm out of ideas. He said, you know, has anybody got any more ideas? We're, we're kind of stuck here. And everybody keeps coming up with all these dumb stuff. And he keeps going, I ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. And one guy, little guy in the back, he finally puts his hand up and he says, I think I've got a good idea. And he said, all right, come on, let's hear it. He said, convince everybody you don't exist. And he's like, what? He said, just convince everybody that you don't exist and try to be invisible. That way you do what you damn well please. And who's going to believe? Who's going to believe there's anybody doing it? Exactly. And he said, you know what? That might work. And for yeah. the last thousand years, that's what kind of crap has been going on. And it's getting worse, quite frankly. And even yeah. when you have the explosion of, uh, you know, demon, demonic possessions and the Vatican is going nuts trying to find more exodus for these people who don't have their title stamped, you know, who, know, who aren't registered yeah. with the with God's DMV, as they say. So, uh, I mean, it's just its incredible. I did want to hit this, though, before we move on to the second part of the show uh, with a little bit of time. And this is this is the rhinos, the people that we're talking about, the globalist Republicans, all right, the, the establishment class idiots uh, who, who see the handwriting on the wall. They know their time is up. And so what are they doing? Instead of bowing out gracefully, they're trying. They're they're firing shots as their ship is sinking, ladies and gentlemen. And these are some of these dumbass uh, senators, especially these self-important cockholds uh, for the Democrat Party, who play like Republicans. And it, that none of them have, uh, or uh, none of them you could you could consider to be conservative. They're all globalists. They they all probably belong to some secret society, which has a whole other agenda at heart. And these guys are trying to fulfill it, and it's just not working out for them. So what do they do? Well, they lash out. They like you know, like a just like a you know, just like a a, a child with a tamper tantrum, uh, just going yep. nuts. And uh, you know, blame. I mean, and obviously, what Trump is doing is working. Uh, they're working better than any other administration by far, especially with North Korea, China, and all that. 
and certainly probably Russia and Syria. All of that working better. You, know, you talk about ISIS, they pretty much are gone, folks. Uh, I mean, Obama kept talking about, oh yeah, we're gonna we gotta get we gotta defeat ISIS, you know, we gotta defeat. Uh, he didn't call them that. He called them uh, what? The, the, he called it the Levant ISIL. and all that. Yeah, ISIL. But um, nothing really ever happened with ISIS, you know. Then all of a sudden, Trump comes into power, and all of a sudden, they start getting massively defeated with the help of the Iraqis. I mean, this was brilliantly done at minimal loss of American life. And uh, nobody really wants to talk about it, but but they are pretty much, they're surrendering, folks. They're giving it up. They are being soundly defeated, and they're fleeing into the, the idiots running Europe. And so now they're going to start their terrorists, which they already have. They're going to do their terrorism stuff in Europe, okay? And they're already trying to take over the culture, etc. And the liberals and the Democrats here in America want them here, which is why they do all this, you know, uh, this, this, you know, open borders, open borders stuff. You know, and, and yeah, you won't see them going to bed at night with their door open. I'll guarantee you. But they think we should leave the country, the nation's door open, uh, for all to come in. I mean, it's just the dumbest stuff. And you get tired of calling it, trying to understand it. It's just flat dumb. Okay. For a thousand reasons, but here you go. Here's some of. There's a news report on Flake slamming Trump, talking about his behavior. He's not a politician. He's not uh, some com- political class dunce like Jeff Flake or John McCain or any of these other guys. He is a businessman. He's there to do a job and then get the hell out once the job is done. And this is how you do it. This is like Patton uh, becoming president. Okay. And he is extremely effective, as we are all now seeing. So uh, here, here is the lashing out of the globalists within the Republican Party. Here is their reaction, and it is pathetic, folks. Here we go. He will not seek re-election as a Republican. He writes in his op-ed, we can no longer remain silent, merely observing this train wreck passively, as if waiting for someone else to do something. Flake's opposition came as President Trump met with Senate Republicans on Capitol Hill. It was meant to show party unity on the issue of tax reform. That's not what happened. This morning we're talking to Senator Flake about why he's taking on the president. But first, Nancy Cordes is on Capitol Hill with a growing Republican split. Nancy, good morning. Good morning. Flake has criticized this president before, but he took things much further this time, heading to the Senate floor to call the president dangerous to democracy itself. He and his GOP colleague Bob Corker say that they can express what many of their colleagues are thinking because they are retiring at the end of this term. Mr. President, I will not be complicit or silent. In the blistering 17-minute speech, Flake said President Trump's behavior is debasing the nation. The impulse and belittle threatens to turn us into a fearful, backward-looking people. White House press secretary said Flake was right to retire. Based on the lack of support that he has from the people of Arizona, it's probably a good move. Flake faced a tough bid for re-election, with his approval rating in Arizona at just 30%. His primary challenger, Kelly Ward, nabbed an endorsement last week from ousted White House chief strategist Steve Bannon. Nobody knows who the hell he is! This summer, President Trump attacked Flake, who had never endorsed him. And in a tweet, Mr. Trump threw his support behind Ward. 
I look forward to being a part of that class of 2019. Last night, she called Flake's retirement another win in Bannon's self-declared war on the Republican establishment. The president uh, has great difficulty with the truth. Senator Corker, who is also retiring, said he regrets backing Mr. Trump and wouldn't do it again. I don't know why he lowers himself uh, to such a low, low standard. Mr. Trump called him incompetent and a lightweight, but there was no name-calling at the lunch he had with GOP senators, who know they need him to enact their agenda. You have an obligation as a leader of this party to weigh in on these very serious criticisms of the president. What I have an obligation to do is to try to achieve the greatest cohesion I can. Flake's friends in the Senate say that it was short-sighted for Bannon to try to drum him out because Flake is a reliable Republican vote and a fiscal conservative who has... No, he is not. My word, that is a big lie. And folks, this was a CBS report, and you can see the glee in this idiot's eyeballs as she delivers these... And, and all the split in the Republican Party... Well, yeah, but it's really more of a split between the Republican Party and the American people, folks. Uh, and, and we're going to run them out of there. That's been the goal all along. Bannon has come out and told them that's been the goal. And as I told you last week, that, that you know, we're, we're going to get them out of there one way or the other. And, you know, the point is, if they act like Democrats all the time and vote like Democrats, he doesn't support the Republican. He's not really supporting Trump. And he got voted for by 90% of Republican voters. So, you know, what's this guy's do? He's a globalist. It's not that he's an establishment. It's not that he doesn't – it's not that he will validly tell you the problem with Trump, which there isn't one. It's a problem for the globalists. It's a problem for the New World Order. This is why they go hard. It's not because he's establishment class and he thinks that Trump's a newcomer and he doesn't deserve to be there. That's bull. It's because – Trump is moving us away from this globalist antichrist movement, and they know it, and it's uh, and, and the only thing they can do is lash out like little demons. I mean, that's exactly what they're doing. So, uh, let's see. And let's, uh, I wanted to see what this report was about. Here we go. Now, this is, you remember what, uh, uh, I'm going to skip through a little bit of this, but I wanted you to hear the, Trump's response to McCain. Uh, and what McCain actually said uh, that really, really ticked us off. Here we go, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit one creepy billionaire, and then we got to move to the second part of the show. A day after a speech at the National Constitution Center, in which John McCain directed some not so thinly veiled jabs at Donald Trump, calling his rhetoric "quote half-baked spurious nationalism cooked up by people who would rather find scapegoats than solve problems," the president fired back. In a radio broadcast on Tuesday, Trump told WMAL host Chris Planty, quote, people have to be careful, because at some point I fight back, adding, I'm being very nice, I'm being very, very nice, but at some point I fight back, and it won't be pretty. According to the conservative website Red State, Trump's response shows that he is, quote, unquote, thin-skinned and intensely sensitive to even the slightest perceived criticism. Red State is a neocon website, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, you know, once again, uh, sort of discount that. But anyway, they're, they're anti-Trumpers, they're neocons. Here we go. Behaving like a child on the playground, incapable of letting anything go. He's 
As for Senator McCain, who in the past has been the target of Trumpian assault, he was quick to respond to the threat, tweeting, quote, I faced far greater challenges than this. Okay, and then, uh, Lee, there was this one other thing. And uh, this was this really creepy billionaire, um, Tom Steyer. Um, that kinda, yeah. It, this guy is a, he's spending a 10 million campaign to impeach President Trump. Like, that's going to do any good. Um, you know, come on. Uh, I, I don't really know what they're trying to achieve here. I just looked at Red State, man. They're losing ground big time. Anyway, uh, uh, as far as their web ranking goes. But I did want you to hear. Now, this is a, this is this really creepy billionaire. You know, it, this guy's a probably a Luciferian globalist uh, from when he popped out of the womb. But uh, here we go. I want you to hear his creepy, creepy commercial. Um, it's just I don't know if you've heard this, but you got to check this out. This is uh, his name is Tom Steyer. He's sort of a uh, a Soros counterpart on the left wing side. He's one of those anti-capitalist billionaires. Here we go. Impeachment. A Republican Congress once impeached a president for far less. Yet today, people in Congress and his own administration know that this president is a clear and present danger, who's mentally unstable and armed with nuclear weapons. Tom Sire is a retired former hedge fund founder and manager who... Give you the benefit of playing it. I was going to play this Mark Cuban interview, and I will let you hear this one part before we move on, okay? And this is, uh, let me see here. Yeah, this is really funny. I just want you to listen to his first answer to Tucker's question, and I was laughing my head off last night. This is so funny. And Lee, you'll get a kick out of this. This is the brilliant, brilliant techno geek billionaire Mark Cuban with his first dumbest freaking answer I've ever heard about your Social Security. You're going to love this. Uh, oh, God. I mean, this guy's a, he's so stupid. In 2020, if he does, he said he'll run as a Republican, potentially mounting a primary challenge to President Trump. What kind of president would Mark Cuban be? He's a very direct man, so we thought we'd ask him. Mark Cuban joins us tonight. Mm. Mark, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks for having me, Tucker. So rather than ask you all the boring political questions, how you do it, how you raise the money, all that stuff, I just want to ask you what you believe because I think you're really direct. So there are about okay. 506, I think it's 560 billionaires in the United States right now. In 2009, when okay. Obama took office, there were 200 fewer. So there's been a massive increase in wealth at the top end. Meanwhile, the middle class has remained stagnant. Is that a problem? No question. And what would you do about yes. it? Yes, it's a problem. The first thing I would do, rather than the tax reform we're looking at right now, I decrease um, payroll taxes significantly so that that money, instead of, being, instead of having every hour taxed as it is now, that money would go right into the hands of the people who need it the most. We have 77,000 people who get paid by the hour. We're ignoring them. Well, I mean, that would definitely put money in people's pockets. How would you pay for the entitlements they use? The entitlements in terms of which entitlements? Well, I mean, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, all that, with less tax revenue, like, how would you fund that stuff? Well, obviously, that's a challenge right now, and we need to find ways to reduce the cost of those entitlements while maintaining the same level of care. I'm a yeah. tech guy, and the reality is I would focus on creating technology solutions. I, you know, I have investments that I see myself where it can have an impact. I think there's a way that we can reduce the size of government, the size of bureaucracy that deals with health care. But it's going to take somebody who understands technology that can introduce technology to find those solutions. 
mean, what an idiot. We're, we're not talking about health care. We're talking about Social Security, which is what, you know, a lot of people uh, of age of 65 and over depend upon because they've paid into it for their entire lives. So he wants to eliminate the payroll tax, which is the only thing that are, people are getting their Social Security payments. Lee Daniel, this guy is a total and complete nincompoop. And he doesn't have an answer. He wasn't ready for that. He he segued into health care as if it was the main thing. He's not even thinking about Social Security, which is the beast <laughs> that we have to pay out in the form of entitlements. Uh, and the only thing that keeps that running, folks, is the payroll taxes. That's basically 7.5% come out of the employee's pocket and 7.5% coming out of the employer's pocket. The employer matches Okay, and then pays it all up each month, all right? So uh, the, uh, every American business is paying for half of your Social Security. Uh, I don't think that's going to go over very well. <laughs> what do you think? No, not too well. That's It's always <laughs> been a borderline situation for, for oh, 30 man. years. You can't mess ever since the fund was opened up to the political uh, carnivores, political buzzards, then, you know, it's a cash cow for everybody and anybody that runs out of money. The thing that I – one of the big things, you know, while we're commenting here, I think it's uh, literally an abomination that – Anybody and everybody that makes over a hundred thousand dollars is exempt from social security mm-hmm. because if their gross if their gross pay is over a hundred thousand as I remember the law, they exempt themselves from social security where if they would right. raise that to five hundred thousand or yeah. or something like that, that fund would have way more than enough money in it. You know, that's a good and point. And it would have it enough may... money. It it, it, yeah, it may... would have enough money instead of well, being a cash. Well, you know, you're right, and, and you're absolutely right. I don't disagree with that. Uh, but I think the the premise is that there's there's a maximum amount that you're going to make, and that hundred thousand once they hit that, that's the max. And so beyond that, they don't get taxed. When was anymore. that set? Huh? That was said a long time ago. I mean, probably back exactly. in, the, in the 70s. So, yeah, you make exactly. an excellent point. You make an excellent point, and you're right. That probably could fix a lot of the problem. And I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and be one of these idiotic conservatives that is constantly, no, you can't attack the rich, because it's not attacking the rich, okay? I'm sorry. But, you know, the neocons have got you thinking like this, folks. Those of you, you could I mean, of course you don't go after any particular sector of the economy. And if you go after the wealthy, you're just defeating yourself in the long run. But this is a good point as far as, you know, going ahead and collecting that additional money and giving them some sort of, you know, you're going to have to give them something. It would probably be something in the form of a tax credit or in in that line, yeah. if, of course, they're going to, you know, put a ceiling on there. But most of them don't even need Social Security when they're, you know, making billions of dollars, really. So that's a right. part of I part mean, of even if they went to 250 at this point, that would really vitalize that fund 
in a lot of ways that it probably should be done because the figures they're working with are so antiquated it isn't even funny. The prices then, uh, for did... everything have gone up exponentially while the standards they're working with are 30 years old. Well, that's probably true. I wouldn't disagree with that, and that could be a nice shot in the arm. So, and you know what? I haven't heard anybody you put for. I've heard a little bit about but I've never heard, hey, just remove that ceiling or increase it uh, to make it to where you know maybe that can help fund it. Uh, it's not a bad idea. It really isn't. And I don't know many people who would be against it, except for the neocons, you know, because yeah, they, what, you right. know, one of the things is that you've got the Koch brothers who were not super billionaires. Going in there, yeah. It's not going yeah, into it, one of their investment portfolios anymore. Exactly. I can't disagree with that. So uh, I can't. I just can't. I mean, just, you know. But they're going to be against it. And, of course, a lot of the establishment Republicans are going to get it. And, and even some, probably some Democrats who've got their, you know, uh, getting a lot of money, but but you'll never hear them talk about this, that particular ceiling, will you? As far nope. as the, uh, they don't want to talk about that. I don't think, but it would be a That's pretty one damn of those smart things that they, they'll slap your hand, their hand over your mouth oh, yeah. about. I agree. So then uh, now we've got White Lives Matter a rally approaches, and you know this was just a coming eventuality. You've heard, you saw the Democrats apply, uh, embrace Black Lives Matter. You saw all that. Uh, and now uh, the White Lives Matter is going to have some sort of rally, okay, in uh, in Shelbyville, Tennessee, and the community is bracing for it. And it's you know, folks, this was just an eventuality. I mean, if you're going to play up this Black Lives Matter stuff, uh, I mean, equal time, you know. So they're going to have a white. Now, not that I, you know, I can't say that I have a problem with it. Because you've got the Black Lives Matter group, and they they have a right. I mean, I don't I don't agree with hardly anything that they say. Okay, and USA Today has uh, this is a Tennessee, and it's a USA Today paper. Very annoying website, ladies and gentlemen. My gosh, if I put these kind of ads on my site, I would be ashamed. But anyway, uh, so they're gonna and it's probably gonna turn into some uh, you know white supremacist thing. Who knows? Just like the Black Lives Matter has turned into a black supremacist thing. Uh, as we have all seen. So anyway, just to let you know, that is what's happening. Now then, I did want to, we've run out of time, and I didn't, again, but we, we had some mysterious, some of those booms that people keep talking about. Those are hitting New Jersey. Yeah. New Jersey. Uh, Lee, what do you make of it? A loud boom, shaking sensation reported throughout southern New Jersey on Wednesday morning that baffled people from shore to Burlington counties. There were calls to 911. We didn't know anything about it at the time, they said. Uh, so what is it? The U.S. Geological Survey's National Earthquake Information Center says there was not any seismic activity but detected a possible sonic boom, which is illegal, yep. about nine miles off North Wildwood at 1018. In other words, it was probably a high-speed jet. He says, "We that's not legal, okay? Unless it was out over the ocean, maybe, but that's like not supposed care. to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we see. He said we see a lot of military planes flying up and down the coast. So I'm assuming that's what we're talking about here. Weather experts say one of the reasons the boom carried so far was uh, because of the temperature inversion. Um, I don't know. Could be something else. What happens when a UFO uh, defeats the sound of uh, the speed of sound? I don't know. So, it it but, doesn't vary. Yeah. Okay. Because it just it, sort of it doesn't blinked. because of of the partial removal from this dimension. 
if they've exactly. already started that that part of their mechanism up. So it because appears they that are going... and they aren't in this dimension. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Like a dimensional drive, almost correct. It, well, they partially slip themselves into another dimension where time is kind of irrelevant because it just does, doesn't exist. Yeah, it's, it, it's called a semi-warp. Exactly. Semi-warp drive. Then, it, you know, that's why people, they're like, that couldn't exist. They, they, they would be clocked at 27,000 miles an hour and made a right-angle turn. Well, yeah. maybe the people in the thing feel like they're going 18 miles an hour and they just made a right angle turn. And where and where you're looking at it from your dimension, they were going 27,000 miles an hour. Yeah, that's a but very good description. I tell you, you're on tonight, Lee Daniel. You are on, sir. Okay, now then, because I, I wanted to get this, and then we're going to get to Bluebeam. We ain't got much time left, of course. Uh, they're having folks, now this is something the pale horse, we keep talking about it, because the Bible talks about this in the end times, and we could be there, we don't know yet, but uh, it seems that way, by the way, but uh, the Black Death is, there is a warning of the Black Death in nine countries, of course, and, and they're under Beelzebub's watch over there in Africa, yeah, but nine yeah. folks, even in in, uh, in Obama's birthplace, Kenya, Nine different countries, Ethiopia, Kenya, Tanzania, uh, Madagascar, Mozambique, South Africa even. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is going to be a huge threat to the region uh, because it has taken on a mnemonic form. Uh, the Black Death has taken on a mnemonic form, meaning it's airborne, spread by sneezing and coughing before it was spread by fleas. Okay, back in the... I wonder who engineered that. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good question. Experts say the <laughs> say the epidemic could still worsen. This is not funny, but I mean, you know, it does sound as if where well, I mean, it, it faded out. Again. Yeah, and all of a sudden now they've got a mnemonic form of it. Oh, that's let's see what this will do. So, uh, and they're you know they're trying yeah, exactly. to play population. That's like the Georgia Guidestones. They're constantly trying. Uh, abortion, you know, yeah. that's a globalist uh, sort of New World Order Antichrist thing. Plus, they're sacrificing to the god Moloch, their god. So anyway, and experts say the dep- epidemic could worsen. The death toll has hit 124 and left 1,300 infected. It is a medieval disease. It was it wiped out one-third of Europe in the 13th and 14th centuries, mm-hmm. one of the most devastating pandemics in human history, and it was known as the Black Death. So... <clears throat> It could move further into the region. People are fleeing the region as a result, uh, and, and, and but they're in the incubation period, so it's going to probably break into other populations. Most of the cases in the past have been of the bubonic plague, but if you look at this outbreak, 70% are pneumonic, which is the most deadly form of the disease. If the treatment is not giving in a very short period of time, these people will die. Okay. So uh, plague symptoms include sudden fevers, head and body aches, vomiting, and nausea. Uh, The doctor also said that it spreads very rapidly, as seen by the number of cases in Madagascar, doubled this week. And speaking for Madagascar, uh, Christine South, head of IFRC's emergency ops, said, with anything like this, there is a possibility that somebody could be infected and get on a plane. 
that could be disastrous. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, it, it basically wiped out a massive portion. And this is what the Bible says, doesn't it, Lee, about the disease and how many people are wiped yeah. out. In, uh, so, yeah, um, and the fact that, once again, just like, what, two years ago with the other diseases that came up in Africa, they don't have any sanitary systems, so they're the most vulnerable in the world. With all the multi-trillions of dollars that people have taken out of Africa, nobody has put a dime back in there to sanitize the place, so to speak. So it's a perfect place. And look, this creates another refugee problem, doesn't it? We barely kind of got the, the other one under control. So... Oh, okay. They think they're going to get this under control. Watch me start another one. Yeah, and that, you know, we we did look back, and the the Rockefellers Foundation were were the ones who originally got a hold of uh, that one particular disease. Uh, well, actually, and genetically uh, engineered mosquitoes. Yeah, genetically engineered mosquitoes, and they turned that disease into something far worse, which was, you know, what, yep. uh, what was it called, Lee, again? What was it, what was it, uh, trying to remember the Zika? virus? That it was, yeah, the Zika virus, Zika. thank you. That was a, it was originally found in Africa. Rockefeller's got a hold yeah. of it, engineered it, and then turned it loose elsewhere, and it's, you know, it's giving babies small brains and crazy things, and they're developing a vaccine yeah. for it. It was crazy. Uh, and, you know, we and traced it easily the, back to the, the Rockefeller's. The magnitude of that. The magnitude of that is, think about in 1947 is when they were doing that engineering. Right. They they were doing that effectively on mosquitoes? Yeah, exactly. How small is a mosquito? Yeah. And they're already doing DNA engineering on mosquitoes in 1947, and we didn't even know about it as a public that DNA engineering really existed. Oh, I know. And you know what? The, the same with the Dangum ticks. I mean, the, from Plum Island. Exactly. I mean, that story that I Plum wrote Island. is still going nuts. Plum Island, man. Uh, so anyway, let's and get a project. And there's 119 viruses problem. that came from that. Right. Uh, Got to move on from there, but you, you can come okay. to CR and read the read the article. But now I did want to talk about Bluebeam. And uh, and there was a tape done. It was a journalist from Canada, Sergey Manast. Many of you probably heard of him. He exposed this, and it was a scientific plan by the globalists to usher in a one-world religion and the New World Order. It's a crazy report. Many of you I know have heard of uh, uh, Project Bluebeam, but um, Manast speaks of the 1983. He, uh, this was back in... Uh, uh, the original report was in 1994 of this, okay, but it's something that a lot of people have forgot about. He said he, he learned rumors at the time of the harassment for releasing this information against the journalist, Manasse, and later heard that he was killed. Now, this is unconfirmed, but the tape that he transcribed um, uh, describing what happened was he, he indicated during his presentation of what he had learned uh, that the planners had originally set the date for 1983, and that's why George Orwell called it 1984, his book, um, 1984. So the date 84 also jives with information presented 
to a special legislative committee in Illinois in 78 studying the effects of regionalism on the state. Now, this gentleman stated that he was a secret courier for the NSA, and the official position of the U.S. government is to change the form of government to socialism via regionalism, and that the logic behind this and that when the new order takes place, which is scheduled around you know, to the 85 period, which is actually when it began, that the representation for the committee that will sit on the World Council will be very equal to the population of the European countries. So in other words, um, speaking of the intended numbers of population in each region be limited to 20 million each, so no region could ever effectively gain independence from the world government. That's sort of the plan. That gives you the rationale. Uh, regionalism is being sewn up nice and tightly, and it has been, and they've been trying to do it all along. Uh, and uh, you, you need to read Betty Mill's book, uh, Visions and Circles of Power, from 1991. Betty knew of Project Blue Beam, although when she made the tape, she did not know of Sergei Manast. Betty went home last January, uh, died, where she is at peace. So what is it, then? Um, what is Blue Beam? Blue Beam is basically a fraudulent operation that NASA was apparently in on, and the globalists, whoever, you know, however many of the country's trillionaires, to engineer a false uh, manifestation of God and or Christ in which new new people would step up and they would start to become followers of them and they could slightly turn what was being taught from the Bible, what's left of of what's being taught, they could slightly turn everybody away from the Bible in the last little pieces of it and make them followers of a new universal religion. Now the cult and of they man. Thought, yeah, this by numbers, you know, their concept is if they get, you know, 7 billion people to believe in it and there's only 200 million left or 300, whatever, 250 million left that believe in, in Jehovah as God and Jesus as his son, well, they'll just overwhelm us. They just won't allow it. And exactly. they'll put a stop to that. So the whole so, point was to abolish all Christian traditional religion and replace them with a one-world religion. Now, this is what the Pope and all of the others have been moving towards. We've done story after and story the world, on this. The World Council of Churches, too. Don't yeah, forget their exactly. little piece. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely nutty, but we see it taking place when we see that people are leaving Christianity and adopting Wicca and some of the other things. It's a further weakening of the national Mormonism. identity. Yeah, Mormonism is one of them, where you the whole point is to become a god in Mormonism. Same with, uh, what, what is it, uh, well, Transcendentalism. Uh, the same with uh, the Freemasons. That's what they eventually preach once they move you through the stages. Uh, it's the same with the Scientologists. It's the same pretty much all over for these man-made cults. The whole point is to abolish the national identity and national pride, A.E., national pride, patriotism, or E-nationalism, whoever you are who's describing this form of 
love of country, in order to establish a world identity and a world pride. We are the world, okay? The uh, you know the globalist mantra, uh, the planet, the you know all of all of the green movement. That's uh, the, and it ties in very closely both to the occult and Marxism. The whole point is to abolish the family. We've been over this so many times. It's pitiful. These are globalist precepts. Uh, and replace the family with individuals working for the glory of a one-world government to destroy all individual artistic and scientific creating works to implement a world's government's one-mind sight. And this is, they talk about an opening spirituality, a knowing. This is one of the things that the Illuminati website preaches, that you, you have a form of... Um, comprehension you come to a form of comprehension that a few people achieve or not many people achieve and when you get to that point you're ready to join the illuminati so the the declaration of war from the un uh is for the implementation of a universal obligatory membership to the un as transcending of the un by multi-military and multi-police force, a worldwide justice department, boy, that's a terror, uh, through through the United Nations with one international criminal court, uh, a world new trade agreement worldwide, that's TPP, for all nations, the end of Cold War, the uh, and the end of local war like it is today, and the obligations for a coexistence of imposed peace and also a new world religion kind of like islam in the way that it operates and a new world culture for all men so see this is what they're doing they're destroying culture wherever they can so that they weaken it and 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 marginalize it to the point where the replacement can come in and this is the whole point of me showing you what a lot of people don't ever bring this up but it's true and they've already if you've seen they already show pictures of, like, orcas uh, in gymnasiums. You see this orca come out of the gym floor. It looks just like a real orca, like a killer whale, emerging from the floor and splashing back into the gymnasium floor. You, many of you have seen that clip. It's crazy, and it looks absolutely real, okay? So if you want to understand the Blue Beam, Blue Beam Project, uh, where is it from? Uh, we have to go back to the... The age of Aquarius, the New Age movement, okay, when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars and peace will guide our planet and love will steer the stars. That's the age of Aquarius, that song. This related uh, with the year 1982, but something happened, okay. It, just, it didn't make it. could have been Reagan, okay. Uh, that was when it was supposed to start, and uh, it was set up, they say, for the year 1983. I think Reagan probably happened. Okay, I believe that's what uh, may have delayed it. Who knows? The fall of the Soviet Union? I don't know. But it was delayed. I do. Okay, what what would you say, Lee, to that? Quickly. That was about the time I began working with the government most actively. Yeah. And there was an intelligence traffic that there was going to be a world movement to do just exactly what we've been talking about doing. And it was going to be done even if it cost half the population of the planet and it was going to be done by the Area 51 folks and the Wright-Patterson folks and a few others along with uh, the major drug crowds and some others the the false flag if you want to call them that but 
right. the whole point being the the Illuminati to use a big brush they began to start and I think Reagan was one of the best and Kennedy was one of the best that's when the Kennedys said this is too much I won't stand for it right. we're going against you and they started a an uprising against them so to speak and a small part of the government said we're going to implement a stoppage here and we're going to make sure that you can never have your way without being eliminated from this planet and they began to set a set of uh, they began to take down a lot of them, but they also began to implement things like I've mentioned in this last day's uh, program that was put out through the Navy that if anyone takes over the United States, there is a computer vehicle in place that will eliminate them from the face of the earth. And yeah. there is no way, you know, they made it unstoppable quote-unquote, at that point. And that's when all the UFO activity was going on, shutting down ICBM bases and, and making other ones in Russia run wild. It was a scare campaign and a campaign to show the five biggest world governments just who was boss. And a few people in the government said, this is bullshit. We ain't going to take it, and we're not going to bow down. So that is what prompted the whole thing because there was a, if you will, there was an alien takeover initiated and a few people in the government said, we aren't going for it. We're not going to bow down and we will Actually, that would be a demonic takeover in essence uh, rather than an alien. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But, because that's that's the dirty little secret. So. Uh, what were their plans? As Lee stated, they planned the destruction of all people who believe in the Bible. We're already seeing that. You've seen Democrats questioning people because of their Christian beliefs. Uh, in multiple, we've, we've outlaid that. I mean, you've seen it all over the place. The LGBTQ movement is dead set against religion. The court system under Obama has been dead set against it. The military has, has wouldn't even let them put a Bible on the desk. And that probably is going to be changed and is even now in the process. That was one of Trump's platforms is to reverse all of that, right? So um, they plan the destruction of anybody who believes in the Bible, who worships Jesus Christ. You'd be amazed at how well the invocation of Jesus Christ apparently works with aliens, from what I understand. And the complete disappearance of Christianity to achieve this plan. And that's, you know, you talk, you talk about Christendom, that would be the U.S. and Europe. And look at what is, is, is happening. I mean, you've got Wicca uh, and all of these belief systems taking over. You've got the Pope saying that you don't need Jesus Christ to achieve heaven. You just need a conscience. That's precisely what he has stated. He is a heretic. Okay, so he is one of the leaders of this movement, the great falling away, the apostasy. So the New World Order will change nations' laws in order that Christian beliefs and symbols like the cross, for instance, will become unlawful. They're taking a cross down. They've taken them down all over the place. Only Easter and Christmas, for instance, will be replaced by New Age festivities. The New World Order plans only the abolishment of currencies and the transfer to electronic cash already taking place um, and through the electronic highway. Uh, the thinker and the basic doctrine uh, took books of the New Age conspiracy for the New World Government 
and listen to the name of the people because all of the new way of thinking, the new world order, are from those people. Those authors who wrote different kinds of books, are which are the basic belief system of the New Age movement. Helena Blavatsky is one of them. Uh, she wrote ISIS Unveiled. She wasn't talking about the terrorist group, maybe, and the Secret Doctrine. Alice Bailey, who wrote the race and the externalization of the hierarchy, all of that. Um, I mean, there's so much here. The eugenics movement is a big part of that. That was begun out in California. That is a big part of the New Age movement, believe it or not. So, uh, and then you know, the, the, it just gets deeper and deeper. Okay. And you look at the Freemasons, their principle is Lucifer. That's who they ultimately worship, okay? Uh, and that's who they, they you know, they, they use the old gods as the initiative in the blue tomb, uh, 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 what do you call it, um, ceremony, okay? And then, but what's going to happen? Yeah, ritual. So uh, I'm trying to read down here to get to the point because we are running quickly out of time. And um, but as as they say, the NASA Blue Beam Project, Blue Beam Project's four steps, four parts towards the implement, implementation of the religion. The first steps concerns the breakdown of archaeological knowledge. It deals with the setup of earthquakes, okay, uh, to make the popu- population believe that all religious doctrines have been misunderstood. Um, and uh, then uh, it, it moves uh, onward to the second step, gigantic space show with three-dimensional optical holograms and sounds and laser projections. They can already do that. Multiple holographic mm-hmm. images uh, transferred to different parts of the world. And even the Soviets have manufactured a, an advanced computer, fed them with minute... I mean, the, our technology is so much greater now to achieve this, Okay. And this is how they they say that they're going to do it. Okay, so they're this is how that they're going to do it, and they're they're going to try to create a one god computer uh, computer ammunition and sound effects appearing to come from the depths of space. People will be astonished. The projection of Christ, of Muhammad, of Buddha, of Krishna will merge into one. After explanation of the mysteries and prophecies and revelation have been closed, so this is going to be a a special effects extravaganza. Okay. And this one God will, in fact, be the Antichrist, folks, and that's the thing right there. That's what you're going to do. And I don't know what prompted me to look at this particular uh, uh, story tonight, but, you know, it did for whatever reason. So this one God will, in fact, be the Antichrist, as I've been talking about for now a couple of years, who will explain the various scriptures of being misunderstood. That the religions of all are responsible for turning brother against brother, nation against nation. They're already doing that. Therefore, the world's religions must be abolished to make way for the golden age, the new age of the one world religion, representing the one God, Antichrist, in this instance. They see before him, that's what the plan is. And that is Blue Beam. And Jesus come here and read the screen of God. Yeah. You can come read it at conservativefocus.com. And find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. We'll be back next week. Lots of stuff going on. I'm sure it'll get fascinating.